Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Hey, everybody, this is Nicole. And Joshua. We're from the uh, Space Coast. Space Coast of, of Florida. Florida. <laughs> and you're listening to the Rise and Run podcast. So get up, lace those shoes, and run! So lace them up and get running. I love the message. What a great intro. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, Justin. We appreciate that. Hello, everyone. Welcome once again to the Rise and Run podcast, episode 54. This is actually our one-year anniversary. This episode will get released on October 20th. Our first episode was released October 22nd, 2021. We made it a year, gang. What do you think of that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, excite- pretty excited, huh? Did you get that reaction? Everybody's very excited. <laughs> so we're glad to have you with us. I'm Bob. I'm here this evening with Allie. Hi, friends. With Lexi. Hello. With John. How you doing? With Alicia. Hello. And with Greg. Hey, hey, hey. Missing this evening is Jack. Anybody seen Jack? She's got, she was there a minute ago. No, no she's she on wasn't. a boat. <laughs> she's on a boat. Captain Floating Jack's on the on a high boat. seas of the Universal Resort. Captain Jack's <laughs> on a boat. Well, Jack will be back with us soon. Glad to have everybody here. Golly, gang. Two weeks till Wine and Dine. we got big news today. We'll talk about it more in just a moment. The event guide came out. We've got another, uh, we've got another pretty long episode for you this evening. We are talking with our new friend Lauren about a very popular and important topic, race nutrition. Lauren's got a lot of important information to share with us. On our podcast, we listen to feature. We're going to talk with our friends from the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And then in the race report spotlight, Paula and Dallas are going to tell us about their spooky ultra run that they did in New Hampshire. Okay, two weeks to go till wine and dine, just a mere two weeks till Expo Day, and less than 11 weeks to marathon weekend starts. Looking at our training numbers, if you're doing a wine and dine challenge, you got to double up. It's your last one, but you're two weeks away. You've got a five-mile and a 14-miler, and I can hear you. Wait a minute. I'm only doing a half marathon, 13.1 miles. Why am I training out to 14 miles? My advice to you is do it. You will be happy that you did. It'll give you that much more confidence that you can go that half distance. And actually, what Jeff will tell you, Jeff Galloway will tell you, is that there have been studies that shown if you train out past your race distance, you'll be able to increase your speed at your race. So, you know, even if even if you have to walk a chunk of it, try to do that 14 miles. And when you get down there, you will be happy that you did. You're going to enjoy the weekend. Marathon weekend, the mileage is back down to five miles this week. I've said this before. People ask, when does it get easy? The answer is it never gets easy, but when you start looking at distances like, oh, good, I only have to do five miles, you know you're making progress. Uh, 
I was I was out doing a training run yesterday, and I was thinking to myself, you know that perfect day, that day when you open the door and the weather's perfect, and you take off, and within just a few steps, you're just your feet are just barely touching the ground, light as can be. You're making a great pace. You're not even checking your watch. When you get back, you see that you're 20 seconds faster. You know those days? Yeah. Yeah. No. Neither do I. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Neither do I. And you know why? Because I don't think they exist. Here's my here's my theme. This is hard. This training is hard. And I will tell you, honestly, I got out. It was uh, Thursday. And the expression, the first mile lies, it sure did. I'm thinking to myself, oh, golly, I can't make this. Jeez, I, what am I doing? I've only got three miles or 45 minutes on the schedule. What am I doing? But you know what? I did it. I, I kept pushing on and I did it. And my message to especially new runners, this is hard and it's hard for all of us. I don't care how many times you've done it. Um, the, but the training has to be done and it is the key to success for the weekend. And I think, you know, they, they always say that the the real marathon is in the training not in it the is. race yeah um and i know you know everybody has different struggles that they go through whenever they're doing something that takes as long as a marathon um or a half marathon you know life happens <laughs> um and i feel like with this marathon i feel like my um i've been having to to discipline myself more and really work on the mental training more than I've had to work on the physical side of it. That's Um, what it is. And it's really interesting to see, you know, because when I was training for my first one, I was more worried I wouldn't be able to finish physically. Mm -hmm. So it's really cool to see the journey that you go on as a human from the start of your first marathon um, or the start of your first half marathon or the start of your first 5k and kind of see over the course of time of training and putting in the miles and waking up early and doing the training runs, just how much your thought process changes and has to go through to get you to that finish line. So Lexi, I love what you just said about, you know, the mental toughness as it relates to this training and it's absolutely 100% true. I, I was having a Facebook conversation via the, the comments on one of our posts um, you know, with our guest from last week, Kristen, over at uh, Running in Makeup. And, you know, we had talked about the, you know, the emotion of the marathon and how, you know, she told this great story about how she, when she finished her first one back in 2020, she didn't get emotional. And she talked about, and you know, and those of you that might have watched her um, weekly recap video from this past week, at the end of her 17-mile training run, she got very emotional at the end of it because it was, you know, a big step and a big accomplishment for her. And you know, we had this exchange where I think we get that emotion in training. And and I even think I said this to all of you in our group chat when I did my 20 miler this past weekend of what makes this so hard is that you're doing it by yourself. Right. You're out there for 
several hours at a time. I mean, sure, there's other people that you pass by, but I mean, when you look at it from a run Disney perspective, there's not a lot of people around. There's no character stops. There's no water table. <laughs> there's no, you know, potential to ride Everest or see, you know, Cinderella's castle or the tree of life or anything like that. So all of that just mentally gets in your head and you start playing these games. So I think that's why it truly goes to show. And we've said this over and over that if you can get through this hard part of the training, when you actually get down to Disney, all the pressure is off. It's just, it's a victory lap for you. And that's something to really marvel in. And that's why, you know, we shouldn't, even when we get down there, I mean, sure, you know, we could, you know, roll an ankle or we could have a GI issue or, you know, someone cuts us off and we get upset. But, you know, even though those things can happen, most of the time we're going to have this positive mindset because we're here to celebrate all the long training. And if you can get through these next couple of weeks, you are going to be absolutely golden come, whether it's November, January, February, or April. Nicely said. You know, I'll be honest with you guys. Um, and <laughs> Greg, it goes back to what you were saying about doing all these training miles alone. When I got done with my marathon a week and a half ago now, um, one of the things that I didn't mention in my recap last week, um, is that when I was talking to Jack at mile 18, I told her that I didn't know if I wanted to do dopey. Whoa, big statement. <sighs> yeah. I told her, I was like, I know I can do the 5k, 10k and half. I don't know. I don't know if I can do the marathon. Not, not in the mental place that I'm in right now. And I kept that mindset for good, like. 24 hours after the race too. <laughs> um and it really took me talking to you guys on the podcast last week before <laughs> I was like, you know what? I actually I I want to do this. I don't want to I don't want to quit. I don't want to um you know, I mean, yeah, the marathon that I did was really hard because it was primarily a trail race and there was 115 finishers and that's not going to compare to running with 50,000 people in New York City or (laughs) with you know 20,000 people at marathon weekend whenever we have all the characters and the castle and all of that kind of stuff and so when I think about the struggles that I had on that race and where my mindset was and the the things that I was going through and you know like I'm gonna have all of you listeners and I'm gonna have all of these amazing podcast hosts that are here with me right now um, when I'm doing this this crazy thing that we call dopey. So I'm very pleased to say that I'm coming out of that mindset. Good, good. <laughs> um, it just goes to show, like, you really have to train yourself through this whole thing. And you're going to have down moments. And you're going to have moments where you don't want to do it. But the reward is so worth it. Well, Lexi, can I give you the advice that someone gave me? Absolutely. They said, they said, did you believe in Santa Claus when you were a little kid? Yes. Wait a okay. minute. What do, you mean, what do you mean, little kid? What are you talking about, Allie? Be, care- be I careful. Believe, I believe in Santa Claus, yes. All right. That's well, better. If, you could, if you believed in Santa Claus for the first eight years of your life, 
then you can believe in yourself for like five minutes. Mm. It's pretty deep. That's um, pretty funny. Pretty deep. <laughs> pretty deep. And I, I believe in Santa Claus. Well, yeah. So exactly. So you should believe in yourself. Yeah. And I'm, I'm 30. So yeah. Okay. So someone told me running the marathon is the easy part. Training's the hard part of the whole thing. That's deal. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was and me. That was me, John. That was you. That was you, Bob. Yeah, that, was that was you. <laughs> and Lex, remember, there's six of us there with you. Yep. For dopey. Yep. We'll get you through it. We'll get us all through it. You're gonna make me cry, John. The, the hard part of the race itself is going to be standing in the line at Chosa de Margarita, waiting, you know, to get our our mar- margarita so that we can cross the finish line well, with them. Standing in that line is going to be so difficult. Actually, it's not going to be this year. I'm trying to talk my wife into standing there waiting for us. Oh, oh, core support. I love it. <laughs> That's pretty. She cool. doesn't know it yet, so she'll find out Thursday. <laughs> uh, yeah, Thursday morning. Thanks, Diane. Appreciate it. Yep. I Listen, love it. If we can get through the expo, Lexi, we can get through the marathon, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> Got to train for the expo now. Yeah. Hey, listen, let me let me bring this back together because I think there is an important nugget here. And and that is the bottom line is the training's hard and it's hard for all of us. If you're out there and you're thinking, "Man, I'm having a hard time here." These people who have done this before, they must be breezing through this. No, we're not. We're having the same struggle you are. And I will tell you in all sincerity is the thing that keeps me doing this is you, you people, you listeners, the folks who are here, the run Disney community. It's the reason I continue to do this when other folks my age think I'm nuts. So there's my message. It's tough. Hang in there. You can do it. Hey, big news. Wine and dine race guide dropped today. I took a quick look through it. I know some of the others took an even more in-depth look. Uh, I, I looked through the guide for the expo. I took note of a couple things. I always look to see where Jeff Galloway is. Uh, he's in his customary position, which if you've never been there before, doesn't mean anything to you. But if you have, he's back in the same general area the Galloway gang is. Uh, I look for our friend Pam from Fluffy Fizzy. She's usually near Jeff, and she is. And any other thing I look for is to see what the overall size of it is and who some of the vendors are. Uh, The size of the expo was scaled down quite a bit last year coming back from the pandemic. It looks to be maybe a little bit bigger, but it's not back to where it was before. One thing I noticed, at least in the guide, there weren't any food vendors listed on the floor. And in past years, there have been, there have been places where you can get uh, beer, wine, soda, uh, not a meal, but uh, there was a chocolate vendor and things like that. So that's not on there. So the expo looks to be maybe like it was last year, maybe a little bit bigger. How about the running events? Uh, Let's start with the 5k. Who wants to talk about that? Yeah, I have some information on that, Bob. So the 5K is cocoa themed, as we know, um, and buses will pick you up at your hotels if you're staying on property at 3 a.m. If you'd like to know specific times and locations of what's going to be happening for the race weekend, there will be signs located in the resort hotel lobbies. Um, This does include Shades of Green and the Swan and Dolphin hotels for the race weekend. 
Um, and also, I wanted to make a note that for the entire race weekend, the monorail and the Skyliner will not be available. So you will have to take Ooh. bus transportation if you are at one of those resorts that that is your main transport transportation. All participants are encouraged to arrive at Epcot where the race will be starting and finishing by 4 a.m. And if you're driving or if you have a spectator who is driving, it is free parking in the Epcot parking lot if you get there before 6 a.m. And for this specific race, it looks like a really good 5k. It starts in the Epcot parking lot and comes through the back by test track Um, And then goes around World Showcase, comes in World Showcase by Mexico and goes around towards America um, and then finishes. Um, It doesn't look like we go super close to the Epcot ball this time, um, but it will come back through and finish in the parking lot again, which I mean, that sounds like a really great 5K course. Yeah, one of the one of the neat things about the 5K is that it's dark the whole time. And so getting into Epcot in the dark and it's lit up and they typically have the torches on and they've got the lights out in the fountains and that's pretty. Cool. How about the 10K? Okay. So I got the 10K. So I looked at, looked at it. Uh, Transportation's basically all the same for uh, all the races. Buses start at three, be, be there by four. 10K, basically the first three and a quarter miles, you're basically on highway. So uh, then you pop into Hollywood studio by where uh, lightning McQueen's race Academy is this time, not by uh tower of terrors. So then we go by uh, the rock and roller coaster. And I thought that'd be a great character stop for Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, but who knows? <laughs> uh, then we, uh, sounds perfect. <laughs> <laughs> then we'd run down a uh, sunset to Hollywood Boulevard out of uh, Hollywood studios behind the stroller rentals toward the Skyliners, and then we hit the uh, infamous uh, narrow uh, pathway between Hollywood Studios and the uh, Boardwalk Resorts. Hop through the Boardwalk, back behind the Skyliner, out to the UK, then kind of cut across, wrote it down, you head toward the Epcot, Epcot Ball and back toward uh, the parking lot. There's not much uh, running in uh, Epcot for this uh, for this race, it looks like. Right, just a little bit. You talked about the boardwalk. First thing that flashed in my mind. Caution runners, the boardwalk may be slippery. Okay, 5K, 10K, half. Who's going to tell us about the half? All right, I will be covering the half marathon. Uh, Again, as it relates to transportation, the only major difference here is the buses will start picking up at 2.30 in the morning as opposed to three o'clock but again um like alicia and john said make sure that you are checking those sandwich boards that they put out in the front of your resort lobbies um they'll have more specific times especially when the buses will go for spectators as well too because they're really encouraging you whether you are a participant or a spectator to use the race sponsored transportation options uh as opposed to getting your, yourself there but again you can drive and park before 6 a.m all participants are encouraged to arrive at epcot by no later than 4 a.m uh and the race does kick off at five we should mention that all of the races uh, for the weekend uh do kick off at five o'clock in the morning now in terms of the maps for like the starting areas the only 
detailed one that we got that gave us an idea of Stark groups is for the half. Uh, they are sticking with the Stark group like they did for this past race season. But instead of numbers, it looks like they're going back to letters. And it looks like there's going to be uh, five Stark groups, A through E. Uh, and again, that will be signified on your bib. Uh, so that, that will guide you to where you need to go. Those uh, Stark group corrals are going to be located on that road. I, I can't remember. Uh, maybe it's Epcot Center Drive. Um, where we tra- you know traditionally make that three quarter of a mile walk uh, walk out mm-hmm. from the area to the road, that's where the corrals will be. Now the course itself, if you are a fan of what Run Disney did for the Tower of Terror ten miler, then you're really really gonna like this course. Essentially, the first, I would say, 5K of the race is all on roads, parking lots, and backstage of Epcot. Uh, just after the 5K mark, you will enter World's Showcase. Uh, looks like between uh, Mexico and Norway, where we have, where you will have entered for the 5K uh, loop your way around. It looks like what they're going to be doing here is... You'll be exiting somewhere between the Japan and Morocco pavilions. Uh, looks like you'll be looping around Remy's Ratatouille Adventure, popping out through there, and then it looks like you'll be exiting in the UK where the um, the World Showplace uh, building is. Uh, you'll hit uh, the Epcot International Gateway Skyliner Station. And then you will make your way through the Epcot Resort area via the boardwalk side. Uh, so now, the, again, this is very reminiscent to that Tower of Terror 10-miler as well as uh, the last stretch of the Disney Marathon course. So you'll make your way along the boardwalk there, and then you will be entering on the side entrance, it looks like. You'll be going quickly on Hollywood Boulevard. You'll be going around... Uh, where Gertie is there making your way, it looks like down the streets of America into uh, Galaxy's Edge. Once you hit Galaxy's Edge, that is pretty much your 10K mark. Uh, obviously, Galaxy's Edge connects to Toy Story Land, so I think that'll be pretty cool. And then you'll be making your way out through Star Wars Launch Bay, the Disney Junior Dance Party, and then you'll make your way towards the Tower of Terror, which I think is going to provide for some really cool photo opportunities there. Do you think it'll and be it, running by then or no? Probably too early. Ooh, too that's early. a good question. That's a very good question. Probably yeah. too early. With the with the race starting at 530. What if I'm really slow? <laughs> I, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible, yeah. But here's the thing, though. Once you exit Hollywood Studios, if you like roads... You'll get roads. Um, It looks like you'll be hitting a little bit of an out and back on World Drive. Um, That will take you. So essentially, when you leave Hollywood Studios, you're probably at about six and a half miles. And then you're on the road until about 11 and three quarters. So uh, enjoy that one. But then looks like you'll be making your way uh, back into Epcot just before mile 12. Uh, traditionally where we do, I think, for the marathon and the half marathon right there by the Imagination Pavilion. You'll loop around there as if you're going towards World Showcase, and then you're just essentially going to hook it right back into Future World. 
uh, go along the creation shop and the the connections cafe or whatever they're calling those confusing C area in the in the pit hole of uh, that is future world right now, and then looks like you'll be exiting the park right around Mission Space into the backstage area to finish up your thirteen point one miles. I do think we should mention that for the half marathon, you will have that quite a bit of a walk to get to the corrals um, at the beginning. That is the same as marathon weekend. So be prepared and take the ample amount of time to get, to get to your starting corral. One other thing too, I know we're going to talk about it in a future episode, probably next week or the week after for the spectators. If you're going to spectate the half, the road, the roads are going over there are to the front of Epcot are probably going to be closed. I know Bob had the problem uh, springtime. Uh, I know my wife had it. You might want to get there with the uh, early buses, like the four o'clock, five o'clock buses that are leaving. Don't try to leave your resort at nine o'clock to mid to half. Yeah, good point. I mean, I never did get over there on springtime. A uh, couple of things. Now that we've seen the event guide, we're pretty confident that. We know what to expect before the races. They all start and end in the same place. So what will happen is if you're taking the bus or if you're driving, you'll have to walk to the starting area. It's a little bit of a walk, but you'll just be with a big crowd. When you get there, they do have some concessions set up for coffee, pastries, bring some cash or bring your debit card. Lexi, didn't you have a grilled cheese before the half marathon? Oh, really? I sure did. Um, it wasn't a grilled cheese. It was like a a bagel sandwich type okay. something. Okay. But it looked it tasted like a grilled cheese. All right, good. <laughs> but anyway, there's an opportunity there. There will be a stage and there will be a DJ and there will be bleachers. At least there have been in the past. We expect that. If you're looking at the stage and you're behind the bleachers, we typically stand all the way to the left side of those bleachers. So if you're looking for the Rise and Run gang, that's where we will probably be before the event. Hey, you know where we'll also be, Bob? Where's that? At the after party. Ah, you're darn tootin'. <laughs> so at this after party, it's going to be a lot more of what you have seen in the past. If you've never been to one, though, the party goes on Sunday from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., but... You can get in as early as 5 p.m. with your after-party ticket. So go ahead and take advantage of that and go a little early. Everything is open through 10 p.m., but then some things close. So the things that are going to be open are going to be things like the food and wine marketplaces will be open, so you'll be able to eat. And then the rides that will be open are going to be Test Track, Soren, Frozen, Ratatouille, and then the big one is Galactic Rewind. Living with the open. Land? Yes, that one is going to be open. Be like prepared that. for I long like lines. I like <laughs> it's actually one of my favorite rides. <laughs> but Galactic Rewind will be open. So if you like Guardians of the Galaxy, that will be a great time to do that. Yeah, great ride. Um, yeah, and then some of us have been getting our tickets in the mail. We've been getting the physical tickets. We weren't yeah. sure this year whether it was going to be um, mailed to us or whether we would get um, virtual tickets, but we got some mailed tickets. Um, and you can take the monorail and the Skyliner into the party, but check to make sure if you can take it back. Depending on the time, you may not be able to. So the Skyliner will close an hour after Epcot 
typically closes. So that might be 11 p.m. at that time. Um, I'm not really sure. So just make sure to take care to, to find out when the monorail and the Skyliner end if you plan on taking that back. But if you miss it, buses will be running till 2.30 in the morning. So that's um, good. Yeah. So there's going to be entertainment throughout the showcase. There's always special characters you can take your pictures with um, and, and like stuff that you can only see there. And then um, another thing is that some of us will be getting together to walk around and enjoy the after party. So we're going to be meeting at the Regal Eagle in, in front of the American Pavilion at is that 10 p.m.? Yeah. And then we're going to walk around and enjoy the attraction. So some of us will be there if you want, um, if you're alone or if you want to grab your friends and family and and walk around with some of us, that's what we'll be doing. So um, that's pretty much all I got for the after party. Yeah, we'd be glad to, we'd be glad to see you if you get a chance to do that. Now it's not a formal meet and greet. We're not going to hang around there for long, but we'll be there. We'll hang out for a while. And then if you want to join us, we'll walk around. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Okay. It's getting exciting. It's getting close. Yeah. And we're looking forward to seeing you there. Let's move along, friends. We've got an interesting interview tonight. We, The topic of nutrition is one that comes up quite often. So let's talk with our friend, Lauren. We are happy to have with us this evening our new friend, Lauren. Lauren is a registered sports dietitian who works with a wide variety of athletes and sports nutrition is a very popular topic around here, Lauren. So we're glad that you're with us. Lauren is also the content and community lead for Muir Energy. And she'll talk about that some tonight. Also, Lauren, welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me, Bob. Yeah, we're glad you took the time. We always appreciate folks coming to help uh, educate our listeners and Let's start with, please, Lauren, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do athletically, are you a runner, and how'd you get started? Absolutely. So I am, like you said, a sports dietitian. I live in Mammoth Lakes, California, which, if you aren't familiar, is a mountain town in the eastern Sierra Nevada mountains. Oh, sounds pretty. (laughs) It is gorgeous. And let me tell you, it was very much it was a huge inspiration for me to get into trail running. Um, I actually grew up as a dancer, but really enjoyed running because I danced all the time. I ended up getting some injuries that took me out of running. So being able to come back to the East side to come to Mammoth and, you know, run with the intention of I'm going to go see this beautiful Alpine Lake, or I'm going to go summit this peak that uh, that really has completely absorbed my summer. I will say that. <laughs> oh, nice. Well, that sounds great. Um, let's get into the topic for the night, if you don't mind. Lauren, let's start here. Our listeners are all training for something right now. Most of them are training for a, an event at Disney, either the Wine and Dine weekend or the Marathon weekend. How about, can you walk us through training around the, the season leading up to the race? Like, What should they be thinking about in nutrition as they're going through the training and getting started and preparing for races? Absolutely. Something that I will probably say so many times because I always do is uh, carbohydrates. And this is just, you know, such a cornerstone of sports nutrition is just making sure, number one, you're eating enough in general 
not just around the time that you're training, but throughout all of your meals. And number two is really focusing on getting in enough carbohydrates because that is your body's 100% preferred energy source. It's quick, it's easy, and it's going to give you that energy that you need. So really starting to dial in your carbohydrate intake, I would say. Okay. Uh, What are some ideas? What are some practical things we can do while we're training? Of course. Well, you know, as you said, I do work with Mirror Energy and Mirror Energy is an energy gel company. And I think it's really important for people to have a lot of diverse carbohydrate options when they are trying out something to eat, especially during a run or during training, because that's when we really don't want to be eating full meals or anything like that. So the reason why I really like energy gels in general, and specifically mirror energy gels, is because they are, you know, sports foods are specially formulated to be easy to digest and to be a really dense source of carbohydrate without having to eat too much volume and get uncomfortable. Now, I noticed on the Mirror Energy page on the products, I notice they differentiate between slow burn and fast burn products. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. So with our fast burning products, the focus is on carbohydrate. Like I said, there we go. Sure. I think I've already said the word 10 times. It's ah, so we get it. Yeah, I, no, no, that's good. That's good. I'm following. Keep telling me I need to eat more carbs. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. I, yeah. So yeah, the fast burning gels, that's the main focus is we're not putting too much fiber in, we're not putting too much protein or fats, because while those are really excellent nutrients to focus on throughout the day, the reason why they're great throughout the day is because they increase feelings of fullness, they give you lasting energy, but when you are in the middle of a run, you kind of want that energy quicker than that. So that's where our fast burning gels come in. They are our easiest to digest formula with the highest density carbohydrate. And most of that carbohydrate is coming from fruit. It's they're usually a fruit base, as well as blackstrap molasses and coconut palm nectar. And that's actually pretty much it, plus some electrolytes for the fast burning gel. Natural real foods. Exactly. That's kind of the whole premise of our products. Mirror Energy products is whole foods. Um, So with the slow burning gels, same practice, but we're adding in some nut butter usually because when you are going for longer efforts, when you are running that marathon length, when you're going for an ultra marathon length, you do want to start adding in proteins and fats so that you can even begin your muscle and joint recovery process before you've ended the race. Um, And that's really going to be your long lasting sustained energy. That's really interesting. Is that something that you would start like eat one of the slow burning ones at the beginning? Or is it something that you would Maybe if you were doing a longer distance, like a half marathon, full marathon, et cetera, if you would eat that sort of in the middle of your race? Good question. I would definitely push that to the middle of the race. I typically recommend for anything that is getting close to the two hour mark, 
you want to start thinking about adding in some proteins and fats at the hour and a half to two hour mark, because at that point, you may actually start to feel a little bit of hunger pangs. It may be easier for your body to kind of take on those more dense nutrient sources, and your body will thank you for having a bit of slow burning energy on board once you've optimized your carbohydrate intake and that's dialed in. So Lauren, I noticed on your Instagram, which if anybody wants to follow her, she's the mountain dietitian. Um, but I noticed that you were doing a video on reintroducing yourself and you had talked about how you want to help your athletes feel more like an athlete rather than look like an athlete. Can you talk about that piece and how, um, you would help them feel more like an athlete and get that proper nutrition? Absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought this up because this really is the cornerstone of my work as a sports dietitian. I began working as a dietitian, focusing more on eating disorder treatment. And in working with eating disorders, I found that so many individuals were also athletes. And a lot of people develop not even necessarily full-blown eating disorders, but disordered eating, disordered thinking patterns around eating, negative body image, because they feel like they're supposed to look like an athlete, as if being an athlete has a look. And even though society tells us that an athlete has a look, that's not true at all. Because if anything, I remember seeing this video that came out around the last Olympics of just people in all these beautiful, diverse bodies. It's like, look, these are Olympic elite level athletes and they are, they exist in all body shapes, not just what we consider to be the body ideal for an athlete. Absolutely. So that phrase that I use, teaching people to to use nutrition so that they feel like an athlete versus look like an athlete is so that we take body image out of the equation because the basics of sports nutrition apply to every athlete, no matter what your body size is. And if you really love what you're doing, then it's more important to fuel yourself for the training that you're doing than to try to fuel yourself to fit a specific body type. We talked about this before we started recording. A question I commonly get from folks who are training for a marathon, particularly maybe their first marathon, they want to know why they're not losing weight. They're doing all this running and they're not losing weight. Now, I know from experience that's true in a lot of cases, not always, but in many cases. But why would that be? A really good question. And I understand a lot of people, they may get into running or specific forms of exercise or training with the intent to lose weight. And sometimes what that causes is it causes people to get into this mindset of, I'm not fueling for what I'm doing. I'm fueling so that my body will get smaller. And when that happens, people tend to, people absolutely undernourish themselves. So they will try to train fasted. They won't eat anything during their training. They will avoid recovering afterwards. And what they're really doing is putting their body in this very high stress state where it is feeling like it just needs to survive. And that is just going to be really detrimental to training. It's going to be really detrimental to mental health in general. And it's just really not the best way to 
focus on running. Yeah. I know when all this started, we, we talked to folks and said, if you want to lose weight, do it now before this training starts. And because once the training starts, your body is going to need the nutrition. I find it really interesting what you're saying. And I think that also can bring in a cycle of people who don't see themselves, who who came in to try to lose some weight and don't see themselves losing weight. And then they double down or they start to underfuel themselves even more. And so then they may feel like I'm not an athlete because I'm not losing weight. So I don't need to fuel myself like an athlete, even though I'm training for my first 10K, my first half marathon, my first marathon. And so um, when you say, you know, fuel yourself like an athlete because you are an athlete, I find that really inspiring. Um, And, you know, whatever consequences do happen from that, maybe you do lose weight, maybe you don't, but you start to appreciate your body for what it's doing, not what it looks like. And then you start to um, have some some gratitude for just the most amazing things that it's doing right now, especially as we're getting into these really long training runs, coming into wine and dine and coming into marathon. So I, I think that's awesome. That's a really beautiful way to put that. And I am really glad that that resonates. It's starting to resonate with more individuals in the running community, um, which just makes me so happy, honestly. Yeah, that's nice. Um, yeah. And one piece that you did bring up, um, oh goodness, what was it? Oh, it was people who double down. That was the term you used. Yeah. They're kind of doubling down, restricting themselves further because they have this false belief that if they continue to restrict themselves, oh, I just need to restrict myself a little more and I'll lose weight. Like maybe you will, but typically what's not talked about is the kind of rebound effect of doubling down and restricting so deeply. These people, let's say you don't fuel at all for this long run, your body has these natural protective mechanisms that kick in. And by the end of the day, say, please eat whatever you can get your hands on. <laughs> yep. And it creates this horrible cycle of guilt and shame of like, wait, can't normal people just restrict and then they lose weight? And that is so false. It is so, so, so false because at some point or another, everybody who enters into this cycle will quote unquote break and end up binging at the end of the day and we'll end up feeling this awful guilt and shame. And we really want to break that cycle, not by going back to restricting, but by transitioning to a place of, okay, I'm ready to nourish myself for the training I need to do. So leading up to this interview, we actually asked our listeners to submit questions for you specifically. And we do have a question here from Aaron, which I think ties very nicely into what you were just speaking about. And that is, you know, we have these conceptions of, you know, we can be able to load up on, on whatever we want. And there's a lot of misconceptions related to that. And one of the most ideal ones that we always see is, well, the night before my big race, I can just load up on a massive plate of pasta. And, you know, that's going to really help me get through, you know, my race the next day. So Aaron's specific question is, what is your favorite lineup of quote unquote carb loading meals? that are going to help you be successful for your race the next day? Really great question. And I think part one to start with is people commonly believe that carb loading is just a day before thing. 
And actually, most methods of carb loading extend three days, if not seven days before your race, depending on the length, intensity, and what your body can physically handle. So start thinking about your carbohydrate loading a little further than just the day before your race. Um, The reason why someone would carbohydrate load is because you are trying to optimize your muscles carbohydrate storage, which for those of you who don't know, the term is glycogen, is your muscles carbohydrate storage. And you can actually begin to grow your muscles glycogen storage capacity, both with optimal training and fueling long term, but in the short term with carbohydrate loading. So my answer to that question is, whichever carbohydrates feel good to you. Because ultimately, when you are eating these high-carbohydrate meals, they're all carbohydrates. Um, It's more about quantity than the type. If you're looking further out, let's say, you know, two to three days beforehand, focus on those complex carbohydrates. And what I mean by complex carbohydrates is foods that also contain fiber. because. Yeah, fiber-filled carbohydrates like whole grains, uh, whole wheat pasta, brown rice, um, sweet potato, regular potato, etc. Those also contain so many wonderful nutrients that will help you feel optimized for race day. And the fiber on its own will help you feel satisfied. So you're not suddenly feeling super weighed down by a bunch of carbohydrates. You're also, you can have that fiber for satiety and blood sugar balance. Day before the race, enjoy whichever carbohydrates feel right to you, as long as they're not going to, you know, leave you with a stomach ache. Definitely still continue to eat balanced meals. You know, if you're going to have pasta, Go ahead, totally have pasta. Make sure you're also including proteins like a meat and including vegetables like tomatoes so that you're not just getting the carbohydrates, so you get a major spike and drop in blood sugar, but so that you are still feeling balanced. Note note to first-time marathoners, you do not have to have a plate of spaghetti before the marathon. If you want it, if you've tried it before, especially... If you've tried it before in training, go for it. But you don't have to. That is absolutely true. And I, for anyone who didn't see, I just like pointed very excitedly. Do not ever try anything for the first time on race day or even the night before yeah. the race. Yep. You want to know how your body reacts to absolutely everything. And even if your buddy tells you like, oh, yeah, of course you have to have a massive plate of spaghetti the night before the race. Just like, you know, you do you. For what it's worth, I don't do it. For what it's worth, my night before meal is usually some kind of fish, but high in protein, low in fat. But I get plenty. I get plenty of carbohydrates. Right, Allie? We have no problem getting carbohydrates. (laughs) They're in the donuts. I love them. I'm going to have, now I have permission to have, well, I guess I can have complex carbohydrates, but I also want to have a Dole Whip beforehand and then one after. The famous Disney Dole Whip. Mm -hmm. Yep. Especially after. Uh, Hey, let's continue. Greg started it. Let's continue with the uh, listener questions. Lexi, why don't you take the next couple, please? Yeah. So... We had a couple of questions about this on the Facebook page. I know I struggle with this as well, um, but specifically Amanda and Annie and 
um, a couple people like commented like, yes, me too. <laughs> uh, said being someone with a nut allergy, sesame allergy, multiple food allergies, IBS, gluten, um, are some of the other ones that are mentioned in the in the thread. What are some good alternatives to use as fuel? It's difficult to find fuel that don't have nuts and sesame in them. Um, and she mentioned she tried some honey stingers. And she's been using applesauce pretzels and gummy bears. I know personally, I've found um, I can use half of Honey Stingers products and the other ones have gluten. And then I use goo, which has a lot of sugar. (laughs) But um, I know with me personally, I've been trying to see if I can incorporate real food as opposed to gels and stuff in my marathon training. Um, But it's hard whenever you have allergies. Yes, that is definitely difficult when there's any level of restrictions placed on what you can eat as an athlete. And, you know, something that a lot of people struggle with, and I very much empathize, is flavor fatigue. That feeling of like, oh, I'm just eating the same things over and over. How could I possibly down another insert food here? Yeah. Um, (laughs) So that is something I really do enjoy about sports nutrition products in general, um, but specifically Muir Energy's fast burning gels. I know I mentioned the slow burns earlier. They do have nuts. Um, on the bright side, there are no tree nut or there are no uh, peanuts in there, rather. So you've got uh, cashew and almond. So if you can't have peanuts, it's a peanut free facility. So cashew almonds, those are the other nuts you would deal with. Um, We did actually have a sunflower seed butter flavor we're hoping to bring back at some point. But if you want to feel super ultra safe, just go for the fruit-based fast-burning products. Um, And to combat flavor fatigue, we don't just have one. You know, we've got strawberry, blueberry, bergamot, uh, red raspberry. Those are my favorites off the top of my head. Okay. There's one that's like, it's either like passion fruit or dragon fruit or something like that. That one's my favorite. (laughs) Yes. The passion fruit pineapple banana is so incredible. And I've had people begging, begging, begging me, where the heck is it? And the answer is (laughs) that- It's all at my house. (laughs) (laughs) Go get her. Um, We have very close relationships with our- product suppliers and our passion fruit supplier i believe that their farm burned or their building oh burned down so we've been on the hunt for a new passion fruit supplier and we are planning to bring that flavor back in 2023 i'm very excited and i know a lot of other people are that one is also nut free and our entire product line is gluten free it's vegan. It's just so simple, um, allergen free. So I would say choosing any gels like that that are very fruit focused, um, especially mirror gels. I'm not biased. <laughs> so this kind of ties in as well as what we were talking about too. Is um, during Amy Amy says that during her her marathon around mile seventeen eighteen. Um, she feels like any water or gels um, are just sloshing around in her stomach. And I can completely sympathize with you, Amy, because I feel that way too. And I also can sympathize with the next statement, which is, um, I feel like I couldn't take on any more gels or chews at this point. Like I have a sugar overload feeling. So you were talking about flavor fatigue, um, but also just like 
sugar fatigue. Um, so her question is, I've been informed it could be a lack of sodium or like poor absorption um, of, of water. At what time or distance would you look to maybe take on, for example, some foods like goo waffles or, you know, maybe something else like some other foods um, to break up the gels? I know it's very individual, but like any rough idea would be great or any examples of what you could use to break up the like constantly eating gels. Yeah, really good question. And, you know, while I work for Mirror Energy and I really do love their gels, I fully understand that when you are training and running all the time, you definitely need to have a variety of foods. And those and gels have their place in races, but so do whole foods and so do sports drinks and juices. And you really need to find the variety that works best for you. So I kind of took that to be a couple different pieces to the question. So the first part I want to address is if you're feeling, you know, digestive difficulties during long races, or you feel like you can't take on additional hydration, that can happen for a number of reasons. And the response everyone hates is that you should probably talk to a sports dietitian, sports nutrition professional to just make sure there's nothing underlying going on with that. Um, but part two to that is while you're workshopping it on your own, some interesting research has come out to show that if your body cannot tolerate anything at all, um, you know, if you can't tolerate gels, go simpler, go have a sports drink, just a simple, simple something. And if you try to drink that sports drink and it just wants to come right back up, you can actually swish a sports drink in your mouth. When I say sports drink, I mean a high carbohydrate electrolyte boosted drink like Gatorade or any of the other electrolyte replacements out there. Just swish it in your mouth for as long as you can. And there have been shown to be benefits and some additional absorption that you get just by swishing it around in your mouth. So start with that. Um, Something that is often overlooked is having a hydration plan in place for these races, really planning this is how much water I'm going to be having every hour, every half hour. This is when I'm going to add electrolytes. Uh, and that is critically important so that you're not overhydrating because overhydrating is definitely an issue and can be a cause of digestive distress. And you want to make sure that you are not overhydrating without electrolytes. And because you can definitely throw your electrolyte balance off if you're just drinking water. As long as you don't have issues with sodium balance or heart issues, just go ham on electrolytes if you're racing. Just be safe. You can always drink more water later. Any thoughts about salt chews or salt tablets? Yeah. If they work for you, great. Absolutely. Especially on <laughs> especially on very hot days. Yes, especially on hot days and especially knowing how much you sweat is really important. Knowing if you're a heavy sweater, if you're a light sweater, if you're a heavy sweater, you might lose up to two liters of fluid per hour and you wow. need to replace all of that, whether during your race or after your race. Um, so hydration plan, critically important there. I remember on one of my long runs, I lost two and a half pounds from the beginning to the end of it because I'm such a heavy sweater. 
I lose that tying my shoes, Lexi. What you... <laughs> <laughs> Not really. That is common. And people don't realize when you are losing two to two and a half pounds of water during a training, during a race, that all needs to be replaced if you really want to optimize your recovery. It's not just about food. It's about hydration too. And then the last part of that question, can you give just a few quick examples for people of what they could eat if they didn't want to just continue with the gels and what some favorites might be of your um, of yours? Absolutely. Applesauce packets are 100% my go-to. I love them so much. And not to mention, it's just a little bit, it feels a little bit more hydrating. There is a little bit more fluid in there. Um, you do want to be careful and not eat just applesauce packets if you're out for hours and hours because they do have a fair amount of fiber in there and if we can avoid using those race side porta potties or in the event of trail races having to dig a cat hole true story um <laughs> you really yeah don't go crazy with those um so applesauce is definitely my go-to and a lot of athletes i work with love applesauce uh Something else that you mentioned is that sugar fatigue, and it's true. The easiest form of carbohydrate is just to have something sweet, have something with sugar. But a lot of athletes really like pretzels or crackers. You definitely want to bring hydration with you so you're not just, you know, dry chewing some salty pretzel. But pretzels and crackers can be a really good way uh, to, you know, get carbs but have a different flavor in your mouth. Um, another one that actually one of my athletes introduced me to was roasted sweet potatoes. Oh, so oh. good. Just like a little baggie of roasted sweet potatoes. They're nice. They're soft. You just pop them in. So good. <laughs> yeah. Very good. I, I made a note, Lauren, when you come back and join us later on, I want to hear the cat hole story, but we'll let it go for now. Okay. Uh, um, well, I will follow that with saying, you know, I'm not just a sports dietitian. I am an athlete and yeah. I have made every single fueling mistake in the book. I can say that with utter confidence, yeah. which is why I know exactly the kind of things that athletes have to deal with. And I can really empathize with them. That's how we learn, right? Yes. That's the best way. Okay. So, um, I have a follow-up question about hydration. Um, I am running the New York City Marathon in two and a half weeks now. Yay! Yep. Um, and I kind of pulled a jack and did not research things as much as <laughs> I should have. Um, and <laughs> I realized this past week that I am not going to be able to have my hydration vest on the race. I'm going to have to switch to a hydration belt because vests are apparently not oh, allowed in New York. Okay. Oh, Yeah, that was my uh, reaction. Secu security <laughs> thing, I'm sure. Yeah, it has oh, to do okay. with the, the Boston Marathon. Little mountain town lady over here, I have no idea. So you got to yeah. explain it. <laughs> but in effort to follow all the rules, that completely throws off my hydration plan of what I normally do on my long runs um, and like how I portion out which things I have where and how much electrolytes I have versus how much water I have. And they're going to have water stops every mile. So I can, I, I have hydration, but my question after all of that backstory <laughs> is um, 
how should I plan and what should I have on me? Should I bring like fill up my two little 10 ounce water bottles with just electrolytes or like where should where should I start? Really good question. And luckily, you know, there are a lot of options out there for hydration. So for anyone who is new to racing, we have the vest, as mentioned, where you literally just are wearing a little vest and you got your bottles ready to go. Uh, there are, yeah, the hydration belts, which are really hydration fanny packs. Um, and then you even have something I've recently started using and actually enjoy are the bottles that you hold that you can kind of cinch down on your hands. So you're kind of like Edward bottle hands. Mm-hmm. It actually works pretty well. <laughs> well I train, I train with one, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely a vest gal. I'm going to say I, I love having a vest, but I have a lot of things I need to carry with me. Same. Um, <laughs> I would say, you know, probably the thing to focus on, especially since you're going to have aid stations every mile, or at least hydration every mile, um, would be to carry the types of electrolytes on you that you know work well for you. Um, Like I said, no harm, no foul carrying electrolytes. They often, electrolyte beverages often also contain carbohydrate. So you're really doing yourself a service by having that. But, you know, you never know what kind of electrolyte beverages they're going to have at aid stations. So if there's one that works well for you, focus on that being what's on your person and then just take some water at the aid stations if you need it. I want to piggyback on what you just said about electrolytes because I've learned through my training and especially last week on my really long training run, I feel like that not all electrolyte drinks are created equal. I feel like there are some, like for me personally, I do really, really well with like a Gatorade or a Powerade, but then something like Tailwind or as I experienced this week with Liquid IV tend to give me, you know, some GI issues. Is there a specific type of product or products that you recommend? I mean, great. And I understand that everybody's different, but is there a commonality between all of them or is there something put into other sports drinks that might cause GI issues. I'm just really, really interested to know about that. Absolutely. That's a really good question. And it is a common issue. Uh, There is a certain amount of individual variability. Each of us is just a little bit different. Our gut microbiomes are a little bit different, which is its own episode for sure. Um, But we all digest things differently and can tolerate different things. The baseline for electrolyte drinks, as you said, they're not all created equal and not all of them are as focused on sodium as they need to be. Really, if I'm looking at an electrolyte replacement, I want to see at least 300 to 500 milligrams of sodium in that replacement. It's great if they have the other electrolytes, potassium, magnesium, but those you don't lose nearly as much of, you know, in a finite time frame as you do sodium. So really big highlight on sodium, get that in there. Number two, a lot of people are afraid of sugar. And as athletes, you really don't need to be afraid of sugar. It actually can be your friend. 
And some electrolyte replacements will add sugar alternates or non-nutritive sweeteners like aspartame, erythritol. There are so many names of them out there. And those non-nutritive sweeteners can cause digestive distress, GI distress. So you really want to avoid having those in your uh, electrolyte drinks because they're, you know, their osmolality to get kind of scientific you know, is not quite the same as what your body is used to. So it actually might draw too much fluid in one direction and cause your stomach to cramp up and be really unhappy. So avoid those non-nutritive sweeteners. Don't be afraid of sugar. And that follows with, you want to choose an electrolyte replacement drink that's going to really work for you. It doesn't just have to be electrolytes. You may as well double up and get a carbohydrate replacement as well. So go for those higher carbohydrate electrolyte replacements so that you're making sure you're keeping your body's stores topped up so you're not going to bonk. Very good practical advice. Thanks. Okay. So if you have a question from some of our listeners, uh, it's basically a generic question. What about fueling for during a race? Uh, like some some people are doing a four hour marathon, some people are doing a seven hour marathon. Does that change based on time? Really good question. So we're talking about same length. We're talking about twenty six point two miles. It's just that you know everybody is taking their own time. So is there variability in how long it takes you to complete a race and in fueling? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. 100%. You want to focus on fueling, not for the mileage that you're doing as much as for how long you are moving. So my general recommendation is you want to be refueling with carbohydrates at the very least every hour on the hour for anything that lasts longer than an hour. And that doesn't matter if this is your first marathon and you're planning to walk half of it or if you are, you know, sub four hour marathon runner, um, it, it really does stay the same. The only slight difference would be how much carbohydrate you're trying to get in in that time frame. So let's do kind of a sample of what your marathon day may look like. So in the 30 minutes to an hour before you're jumping into the marathon, you want to focus on those really high carbohydrate foods, something like the gel, the pretzels, even just some juice. You want to top up your carbohydrate storage, your glycogen storage, before you even walk to the starting line. From that moment, I would say within the first half hour to 45 minutes, start thinking about adding in some additional nutrition. The sweet spot here is about 30 to 60 grams of carbohydrate per hour. You're going to want to push it higher as you are running at a higher intensity, but you still want to be getting something in, again, every hour on the hour. If you're trying to push carbohydrate intake, maybe push it to every 30 minutes or 45 minutes, you're getting a gel or a carbohydrate source. And once, if you are getting to that, well, everyone would be getting to the two-hour mark. If you're getting to that two-hour mark for a marathon, then you want to start considering adding in some proteins, some fats, um, something like, you know, of course, I mentioned the Mure Energy slow burning gels because they have nut butter, or even if you just want to have some of your own nut butter, 
or if there is a bar that you have tried before and you really like the way it makes you feel, um, this is the time to start thinking about eating that. Is it the two hour mark? Now, as you're continuing on, again, every 45 minutes to an hour, think about adding in something else, uh, another high carbohydrate drink or gel or food. And once the race is done, within the two-ish hours that you've finished a race, you want to focus on recovering with a complete meal so that you can begin the process of muscle, tendon, and tissue recovery. Now, this complete meal, it's not just about protein. Protein is kind of the big focus for recovery, but you also need to, again, take in carbohydrate so that you can replenish your muscles' glycogen storage. And if you're able to do that well and in a timely fashion, this is the time when your muscles are most sensitive to carbohydrates and you can begin to expand your muscles' glycogen storage. So that is how I would outline definitely a first-timer to a high-intensity ultra-runner type plan. And again, like I said, hydration. Hydration is highly individualized, so I won't focus on that. But I will say... Definitely focus on rehydrating when you're done with your race, not just the food side. Yeah, it's going to, and it's going to take a while. It's going to take, it's going to take probably a day or two to get rehydrated completely. Yes. Yeah, so I have a question about the protein part because I was always kind of under the impression that too much protein while running could cause major GI issues. Is there any kind of, uh, say, five grams of protein, twenty grams of protein? I mean, might be too much. Really good question. And for some people, this recommendation is not going to work out. They're going to be like, no way I can have anything beyond a gel or an applesauce during the race. And that's totally fine. Optimally, you would include some of those nutrients. But if you have a very sensitive digestive system, don't push it. What's more critical with protein is actually getting between... Oh, goodness. I know it's around 30 to 40 grams of protein around the four-ish hours around whatever activity or training you're doing. So if that means that you're getting, you know, five to 10 grams of protein in during the race, then focus on getting another 20 to 30 afterwards. But if you absolutely cannot have any protein during that race, then you may want to focus on upping your protein intake after the race. While we're talking about nutrition during the race, um, Amber has a really good question about nutrition sort of outside of racing, like during your regular week. Um, and I think this really falls under your umbrella. Amber, I'm going to paraphrase her question because it's a, it's a little long. She does track her calories and her macros, but she's having a hard time getting a handle of how much she needs to eat when she is adding in 15 mile runs, 17 mile runs, 20 mile runs. And then, you know, because she wants to stay within this certain calorie range, she's then starving for the next couple days or eating like a lot less calories. Um, and she's actually gaining weight, which she's not concerned about the gaining weight part, but it doesn't seem, you know, it's an indication of something maybe is off. So she's wondering if there's a better way to get enough nutrition without feeling like she's overeating. Um, or, you know, is there a different macro ratio that she should do right now? She's doing 50% um, carbs, 30% fat and 20% protein during her training season. Is there a different macro ratio she might use? Or is there um, 
is it should she just keep generally the same thing but eat more um, without any you know care to what she's eating or or what kind of advice could you give her for for eating outside of the actual race? A really good question and a really common one I get. Oh, I'm sorry, you're gonna hate me, my gal, but I'm gonna have to keep the answer general, um, especially when you know everybody has so many different factors going on that to give you specific numbers or a macro ratio, it's not really gonna be beneficial. But uh, you know, hit me up later, maybe we can talk about it. I mean, my initial response is that you're not eating enough. If you are starving, you're not eating enough. Like your body is begging for more of something. What that something is is to be determined. And again, that's pretty individualized. Looking at this uh, composition of uh, carbs, fats, proteins, just generally, I would say trying to keep your carbs that low is pretty low for an athlete. So that's a consideration. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's low for someone who is actively in training. Um, Yeah. And especially with that response of feeling like you're starving, that would be the one place I would look at first. But, you know, could be could be something else. Could be that overall you need to eat more. I'm sorry, I don't know you, so I can't say. Um, but what I can give you is a general recommendation for how I help athletes plan their meals without tracking calories, without tracking macros, and really getting more in touch with their their body's individual hunger and fullness cues while also making sure you're getting enough of what you need. Okay, cool. This concept called the fueling plate. So a fu- the fueling plate is essentially just visualize a 10 inch dinner plate and we're going to divide it into carbohydrates, proteins, and fruits and vegetables generally. Um, fats tend to make their way in with cooking. So it's a little less of a focus when we're talking about planning an athlete's plate. So for lower intensity days, typically I would reserve these for rest days, or if you are out of season and you just want to focus on getting enough nutrients, that's when we'll look at a plate that's about half fruits and vegetables, one quarter carbs, one quarter protein. And I know someone's going to ask this. Yes, I understand fruits do contain carbohydrate, but This is a little bit different. We're grouping the fruit and veg because they have their own vitamins and minerals, whereas carbs, more like the starchy carbs, the potatoes, the grains, those have their own roles as well. So include them both without fear. If we're looking at a moderate training day, you know, an hour run or you're just lifting, you want to divide it a little more evenly. So, you know, a third protein, a third fruits and veg, a third carbohydrate. And if you're looking at a higher intensity day, if you are noticing that you're feeling really hungry, if you are doing multiple training sessions in a day, such as running in the morning and lifting in the evening, if you've got your long run days of two plus hours, your high intensity plate should focus on half carbohydrate, one quarter fruit and veg, and one quarter protein. And sometimes this plate can be a little tough for my athletes to sustain. So yes, you can include fruits as part of the half carbohydrate in that example. So this is a really good general way to get started with ensuring you're getting enough of each nutrient and then working from there on a more individualized approach. Wow, that's so helpful. Thank you. You're welcome. Lauren, let me ask you one last question. And I 
get this. We had uh, a listener, Carrie, ask it, but I hear it from a lot of others. And that is, they talk about nutrition, and I think sometimes our athletes think that when I take my nutrition, I'm going to get a real shot, a real boost, and I'm going to feel a whole lot better. When in fact, they find that they really don't. Can we talk about that a little bit, why it is and why you need to take your nutrition anyway, even though you don't get that shot in the arm? So you're meaning like people are kind of looking for the immediate response. You know, if I am really bonking, this is just the end for me. How can I bring it back? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I sometimes think folks think if I take my nutrition, it'll be like magic. All of a sudden, I'll feel a lot better and I'll drop five seconds a mile. And it doesn't work that way. Like a rocket boost. Like (laughs) Popeye and his spinach. I like it, John. Let's go with that. I was thinking Mario. (laughs) Well, I mean, there are plenty of illicit substances that are definitely not NSF or sports certified, but (laughs) I'm not going to recommend those here. (laughs) No, we're not going to do that. (laughs) No. Uh, But with nutrition, you know, here we go. 50th time. Carbohydrates are really going to be your bread and butter or rather just your bread for the <laughs> <laughs> for the, the quickest boost you could possibly get, um, especially even something as simple as just like drinking a shot of juice. It, that is something that can bring you back from a bonk. A bonk doesn't have to be the end of your race. It doesn't mean that you have failed. It is a learning experience that, you know, maybe it's time to change up your fueling strategy. Maybe, you know, check it out. Did you actually fuel enough before the race? Were you actually taking in nutrition at least every hour on the hour? And if you weren't doing those things, you know, it's not something that's going to just give you an instant rocket boost of energy. But over time, it will help you get a little bit more in tune with when you need to nourish yourself. Well, I know I have done this on occasion, I'll admit (laughs) um, that I will take my nutrition, especially I've noticed it at like the end of a really long run. I'll take my nutrition and then I'll start. I I feel like it's almost used faster at the end than it is at the beginning. And I start feeling like, oh, well, I'm feeling a little like bonky. Maybe I should take some more nutrition and then I'll feel better. Um, and I'll pop a couple of extra gummies or, or whatever. Um, do you, do you think that is indicative of being underfueled as a whole? Or if that's just like, I need to up my intake the entire time or, you, you know, is that, is that under fuel or under frequency? Really good question. And I think it's multifaceted. I mean, from what's within my scope, my recommendation is always to go back to your fueling plan. And if you don't have one, make one. And really, you know, I hate numbers. I really hate numbers when it comes to nutrition, but this is the one place where it is beneficial to really write down what am I eating? When am I eating it? How many calories does it have? And how many grams of carbohydrate does it have? Because it may give you a snapshot that helps you realize, oh, wow, I really am not getting enough. Now, if you've done that and you're still bonking at the end of the race, what's outside of my scope of practice, but worth exploring is just training. You know, races are hard. Races are long. You have to have a really good pacing strategy. 
This is coming from me as a trail runner, not as a professional. I just know, you know, you have to have the right strategy and maybe your body just needed a little bit of training in another area as well. And no matter which of those it is, just having compassion for yourself and being stoked that you finished the race. That's what I'm considering in. That, that, that suggestion on journaling and noting what you're reading, that's a wonderful idea. So it sounds like we went over that if you start to take your race nutrition, I take a goo, it's not going to give me rocket shoes, but you will notice if you don't eat enough fuel and that's when you'll start to bonk. Is that right? Is that, or is that kind of what we're saying? <laughs> oh yeah, that's exactly right. You, you will definitely know when you haven't had enough. That is for sure. That's the critical, that's the critical difference. I think it's, you don't expect a sudden boost, but you've got to do it or you'll pay the price. Gang, wonderful discussion. Lauren, before we let you go, we said at the top, you were the content and community lead for Muir Energy. So let's take a minute or two and talk about the Muir Energy products. And I know we talked a little bit about them uh, during the discussion, but is there anything else you'd like to add? Sure. Thank you. Um, just, you know, a few other items to highlight. I know I've spoken extensively on how to actually use the fast burning, slow burning product. Um, I'll just take this time to highlight. We do have a new flavor for fall. This episode's coming out in October. We're launching pumpkin chai pre-orders. I, I knew you were going there. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. Pumpkin chai uh, had to be. Well, oh, I tried this flavor a few months ago when we were first workshopping it and I knew it was going to be a big deal and our beta testers, our athletes are loving it. Um, it will be considered part of our slow burning line because it does contain complex carbohydrates. So a very nourishing and very flavorful gel. Um, so that's kind of our, our big flavor coming out. And I didn't talk too much about it, but we do also offer hydration mixes. If you are looking for a whole food hydration that is, you know, up to six ingredients, we also have water bottles that are especially made to perfectly mix your hydration mix. So no matter what kind of whole food fueling you're looking for, we've got it, um, I really do enjoy this product. I used it even before I worked for them. So, and I just think the team as a whole is really incredible. The fact that they're not only trying to make a really good product, but really trying to support nutrition education as a whole to support environmental efforts. Um, I want to see more companies doing the very same. Very good. Excellent. And, uh, where do people find these products? You can find them at mirrorenergy.com. And you can also find them in the store, most likely at an REI. We do source to REI or Fleet Feet stores. Those are some of our largest distributors. Uh, if you are looking for some additional nutrition guidance, I am the editor for the Muir Journal, where we have weekly to bi-weekly articles about nutrition training, um, little athlete profiles, if you're looking for inspiration, all focused on the running community. And I volunteer this, that I always have a bunch in my marathon bag. So you can always just come and try one. Maybe we'll <laughs> trade some fuel and you can try one of these. But I, I know we don't ever really recommend a product that we don't use. And, and I personally use this product and I do like it. So, um, and that's not a paid endorsement. We don't get gonna... <laughs> No, nope, it's not. And, and I, I sincerely intend to try it. Um, I did go online looking for the closest retailer. 
according to the website, Allie, my closest retailer was near you. Hey, come visit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that was accurate or not, but that's okay. I can always get them online. Uh, Lauren, thank you so much for the education, for spending the time, for listening and to and answering all our questions. We enjoyed it, and we hope to have you back someday. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. Nice job, Lauren. Thank you for coming by, spending your time with us. Very educational and interesting. And uh, I, Lauren does work for Muir Energy, but uh, I, I appreciate the fact that she didn't try to make a 35-minute advertisement out of that. But still, I think it's a good product that I'm interested in. Uh, Allie, you said you use it. You, I do. You yeah, like and it. I really like it. Um, it's a little bit different than most of the goos and stuff like that because it is blackstrap molasses. It has a very molassesy taste to it. Um, and it has, you know, some of the like, some of the strawberry or like blackberry flavors have like a little bit of a chew to them. Like they have like seeds almost in them because they are a whole food. So it's very different, but I really appreciate it because sometimes you get sick of eating the same things over and over and it gives me something a little bit of, of a different type of um, fuel that doesn't feel like I'm just having a sugar bomb. No, I appreciate that too. I don't know that they'll replace Pop-Tarts in my life, but, uh, <laughs> but we'll see. I think it's worth investigating. A lot of people have great success with goos. I'm not running them down. I am not a fan, but that's just me personally. So something worth considering. And thanks you once again, Lauren. And mentioned at the top of the show, happy anniversary, my friends. One year. This is our one year anniversary episode. We have been successful beyond our wildest dreams. And the reason for that is you the people who are listening right now that have become such a wonderful, great family of run Disney people and have enjoyed listening and interacting with us. We get so much interaction on the Facebook page and we continue to see new people showing up. We monitor our data. I wanted to just go through a little bit of it. Uh, one year into it, of all of the downloads we've had so far, 90% of them come from the U.S., which is actually to be expected. In fact, I expected maybe a higher percentage to come from the U.S. because that means that 10% come from outside the U.S. And in fact, we have listeners in 56 different countries, or at Whoa. least we have had the episode, and we at least we've had the podcast downloaded in 56 different countries. Yeah, I, I heard a wow, and I agree. Wow, I think that's pretty amazing. Um, our primary countries, our friends to the north in Canada, and then across the ocean in the UK, and again, that stands to reason, but a whole lot of the places are non-English speaking countries. Our biggest non-English speaking country is the Netherlands. I'm not terribly surprised at that, and I'm not going to. Well, yes, I am. I'll name a couple names. You know what? I I hate naming names because I'm going to leave somebody out. There's going to be some Dutch listener who has been active, and I forget all about him or her. But I know Arno is in the Netherlands, and I know our friend uh, Laura of the famous quote: "If it was easy, they'd call it the Happy Challenge." She's in the Netherlands. Uh, not only are we downloaded in the Netherlands, we're also downloaded in Holland, Michigan. I wanted to point that out. 3,409 different cities have downloaded this episode. The top five U.S. cities, 
Orlando, Atlanta, Houston, Tampa, and Washington, D.C. Some of those are a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah. Uh, D.C. is a little bit of a surprise. Greg, I listed the top five. Philly is number six. Uh, Close enough. Yeah. We are listened to in Athens, Greece, Georgia, and Alabama. Athens, Greece, Athens, Georgia, (laughs) and Athens, Alabama. We have listeners in Paris, France, and Paris, Texas. And at times, we have been amongst the very top downloaded running podcast in the Ukraine. Oh. We have listeners in Kiev. And in fact, not terribly long ago, I remember admitting, uh, approving someone into the Rise and Run Facebook page from the city of Kiev. We also, no joke, we have 35 downloads from Mars. Wow. Intergalactic. Yeah, no, 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 it's not inter- <laughs> No, Mars is a city in Pennsylvania. <laughs> it's in that it's in that same Pennsylvania Dutch area as Bird in Hand and uh, some of those other. But crazy it's okay. Names. Our podcast is still out of this world. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, I like it. So, my friends, uh, one year down. Hopefully, many more to go. Thank you, thank you, thank you for making this the success that it has been. We enjoy it so much and we enjoy every opportunity we get to interact with you, whether that's on Zoom calls, whether that is when you send us an intro or a race report through the Join the Conversation link, uh, whether you just make a post to our Instagram page when you follow us on Instagram or, or join the Facebook group. It means so much and it just makes the community bigger and stronger. We genuinely appreciate it. All right, let's move on. We started a feature last week called Podcasts We Listen To. At some point, I think we will actually talk about some of the podcasts we listen to. But meanwhile, we've done a couple interviews. We want to run another one tonight. Our friends from the Run, Eat, Drink podcast join us. With us now are my friends from the Run, Eat, Drink podcast, Amy and Dana. Hi, you guys. Good to see you. Hey. hey. Thanks for having us. Oh, man. Thanks for taking the time. You know, we appreciate it. Uh, I was thinking back, first time I met you two, uh, Jeff Galloway's run. Yeah. 2019, I think. Was that the fifth anniversary run? Oh, was pretty, it? I think 2018, so. 2019, one of those. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. Because uh, you came up, introduced yourselves. I did. We're here we- from the... R.E.D. podcast, and we want to make a recording for Jeff. Go! <laughs> and turn the camera on. I said, okay. Hi, Jeff. Great run. You seemed really nice. You really good. nice. So we were like, yeah, this guy, he's going to do it. Because we were going around and we were trying to get people to say to, to get on and congratulate Jeff and, and Barb for five years yeah. of their amazing race in Atlanta. And you yeah. were you were willing and you were just so nice to us. So we really appreciate that. Uh, it's been fun. It was fun then. It's been fun ever since. Um, that was, in a, that, was in. that happened in a brewery. It sure did. After the, the first race. After mm-hmm. the 5k. Yep. Yeah. It was, it was a miserable day. It, it was. was raining and cold or I'm not sure if it was raining on that one. It might've been the next year it rained, but no, it well, was pouring. Was it? Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. We, we were like all bundled up. Rats. Yeah. And everybody took their stuff off and kind of threw it to the side. <laughs> what was it? I can't remember the name of that brewery. Oh, it, it, it's Orpheus Orpheus Brewing. That's it. You got it. That's delightful. It. Yeah. Delightful. Just, Very strong beer, but delightful. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun. That's a, I'm going to talk more about it on other podcasts. That's a, a great event. And if you get a chance to go to it, that's neat. But that's not what we're here to talk about. Let's talk about the Run, Eat, Drink podcast. When did you guys get started? We well, we just celebrated our fifth anniversary this past June. So five years ago. I knew that, but I wanted you to t- say it anyway. Yeah. And it's hard to believe that it was five years ago. It's we've, we've been working towards, towards it, towards where we're at right now, mm-hmm. longer than that, probably for about six, six and a half years. Yeah. And, and this all kind of started with just kind of an oddball idea. Like there was something there, there was a nugget of an idea and we, Mm -hmm. we played with it for a little bit, uh, on video and Mm -hmm. there is some proto footage somewhere on a hard drive here (laughs) in our studio. We're not going to talk about that's not (laughs) collector stuff. Oh, very very much. So early days, you know, Uh before we had any idea of what a format was going to be and, and, and then the whole idea congealed or came together one evening when we were out walking our dogs. Yeah. Okay. We were recapping some conversations we had had at, 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 I believe the expo we were talking about was one of the, the run Disney expos out in California. Okay. Mm -hmm. Cause we, we were talking about, you know, the different feel between running Orlando versus Anaheim mm-hmm. and, and the expos are very different. Yeah. And so the, different. Look, Alicia's like, yeah, the conversations <laughs> that we have, and we ended up talking with people who had never been there before. And we had been out there a couple of times and a lot of our conversations tended to gravitate towards, you know, helping or talking with people about where to go for food and drink and what are you going to do after the race and mm-hmm. all that. And, and, we just kind of put those things together. You know, we're part of the running community. Mm-hmm. We, we go and we do these, but we have these great conversations about what to do after you, after you've crossed the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think your format, I'm not going to say is unique, but it's different from a lot of others. It's not a strictly running podcast. It's, it's more of a travel and leisure type podcast, isn't it? It's a, a travel podcast for, Runners, foodies. Yeah, there, there's a yeah. there's an interesting Venn diagram somewhere that yeah. you've got the circle of runners, foodies, and and travelers, and and we're mm-hmm. kind of in the middle of those three circles yeah. where they meet. Yeah. Uh, but we, you know, and, and we in our running portion, we try to celebrate mm. the people who are in the middle and the back of the pack. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we are. That's where we are. That's where a lot of us are. Yeah. But yeah. It's, it's a fun format. It, it leads to uh, a whole lot of possibilities and you, you've traveled to a lot of interesting places. What's your favorite place you've traveled to? Well, I mean, we got the running bug with run Disney when we started yeah. our running career, even before the podcast. And we know y'all love that and sure. uh, love to see you all at the run Disney events as well. Um, most interesting most interesting place i think that dana will say alaska good choice it's hard to believe the florida boy is going to say that Mm. no i believe it 
yeah, that that to me is I think one of the most interesting places we've been at Anchorage Run Fest. We've done it yeah. twice. Mm-hmm. Huge, um, huge fans of it. Pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, we wanted to kind of see how the race had come back, mm-hmm. how the city had come back, and how we could, you know, kind of let people know, hey, they're open for business. And yeah, and we are fortunate. I that that's a bucket list trip for so many people, myself included, and we Aww. actually got to do it as a result of the show. And so lucky to go back to it and show them some love as races were returning. So oh. important, to, and just to meet running royalty like Bart Yasso there and Marco the, Cicetto. Uh, Marco Cicetto, Jeff Galloway was there the first time we did it mm-hmm. and it it's just amazing so if, I've, if I'm going to say that's the most interesting in terms of terrain the people were great the the food and beverage scene so dramatically different from where we are in Florida and <laughs> yeah, a little bit yeah like you know well, you would think there's some there, there's some overlap. Right sausage. Yeah. Well, you know they're both coastal cities, so well, you, get, yeah. you get the seafood. Yeah. But the seafood True. variety is so different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah, you know the, the the food and beverage scene. That's the other thing. Most people yeah. have no idea what a great food and beverage scene Anchorage has. Yeah, and I think that it has in common with Florida that the brewery scene is very strong. Hmm. But, the craft the craft brewery scene. Mm-hmm. The locals, mm-hmm. yeah. No, yeah. Anchorage is a great city. I, I haven't been there in oh, almost 50 years. That's hard to imagine. 45 years since I was last there, but uh, it's gorgeous. The The place is beautiful. And if you've not been there, you would be surprised by Anchorage. Anchorage is a modern, it's not a huge city by any stretch. And if you're 10 miles outside of Anchorage, you're outside of Anchorage. You're out in the boonies, but uh but Anchorage proper is, yeah, is really a neat place. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Amy's answer might be a little bit different. Well, I love Anchorage. I do. I, I loved Anchorage. It, it's, it's amazing. I, it depends on how you ask the question, like what is the most interesting? Because that is indeed a bucket list race that was just, but if you're talking about what, what's one of my favorite destinations for, community and along the course where you can get like just such inspiration and love and just it's it's closer to home although it's still a drive and that's the the donna marathon weekend in jacksonville florida yeah that's a big one it's first week of february first week of february it used to be the second week but they didn't want to um you know football might be important in that Jacksonville area. Something about that might be important. So they switched to an earlier weekend in February. They yeah. did host one Super Bowl in Jacksonville. It was a ways back. It was in the 80s, I think. But yeah, they sure did. I, I haven't gone to that one. It's not oh, that far away from me. But everybody needs need to get to over do it. it. Yeah, yeah, if you're if you're in Florida, that that's a, an amazing race weekend. They they have every distance from 5K to an ultra. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, what Amy was talking about the community and and the on course support that you get from the city and how the city has adopted that race over the last 15 years. <sighs> and of course, it, it is the Donna Marathon to end breast cancer. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, one in eight mm-hmm. people are going to be, or w- women are going to be impacted by, by breast cancer. Mm. 
everybody probably has somebody like a friend or a family member who's been impacted in some way, shape or form. I lost my mother in 2016 to stage four metastatic breast cancer. So that's a, that's a race we do every year regardless. But yeah. the, the good news is Jacksonville is such an amazing city. It's oh. so big, you know, all the, all the four yeah. stories that you hear about on the internet are all from Jacksonville. Or, <laughs> and, and, and so there's a lot going on there, but their, their culinary scene is fantastic and we can mm-hmm. go year after year and never hit the same place twice. It's true. You're always discovering new places to eat and or just celebrate any accomplishment, which is what we love. And the beaches are beautiful. Just it's great. And, and it's basically a, a for our distance, we do the half marathon. It's a 13.1 mile long street party. Yeah. The, the neighborhoods come out. They decorate the entire neighborhood. Some people, they, they, hire a DJ. They've got an outdoor, uh, uh, mimosa bar going. Nice. Um, you're, you can start stone cold sober. And if you <laughs> want, you could probably end, end with a buzz without it's not the most important feature. It's of the not, race. Okay. but I'm just saying it's that kind <laughs> it's okay. of party atmosphere, or you could start on an empty stomach and finish full because there are people cooking breakfast? plates full of breakfast and handing Cup- it to oh, you. Wow. By. It's crazy. I've never Absolutely. seen anything like it. And the That's people neat. that you're running with are just amazing too. Yeah. You have the survivors, you have people running a memoriam, you have mm-hmm. people who are currently in treatment actually out mm. running friends and family. It's it, you can be laughing one minute and crying the next and having the time of your life. Yeah. That sounds like such an amazing race. Um, I was just curious if you guys have a favorite food or drink or both that you like to finish or have after the race. Oh, you want me to go? Wow. You want, you want me to vamp a little bit? So yeah. I give you some time. Can you? Because five years, it's a lot. <laughs> um, not just specific to that race, but mm. I, I do love a post race burger of some sort. Um, it happens to be in Jacksonville. There's a small yeah. regional chain there called Post Tavern. Like Edgar Allan Poe. themed after Edgar Allan Poe. All the burgers are named after uh, Poe's works. Um, they have some of the m- most incredible burgers there. Um, but regardless of what city we're in, I try to find a good burger. I need mm. that, that post-run protein after a half. And oh. then for me, uh, right after the race, if I'm doing any kind of beer, I like to go with something lighter. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, a, like a Pilsner or a lager. But that later that evening I can settle into my, my stout happy place. There you go. (laughs) That's okay. I bought you all the time I can buy you. Well, (laughs) I think we had an interesting announcement floating around here just recently that, um, that run Disney might be returning to Disneyland. True. True enough. 2024, which excites us immensely. We love those races. We were big coast to coast right. people. We coast to coast. Yeah. Um, also the uh with the superheroes. Yeah, with the superheroes. And they still owe us uh some infinity gauntlets. Some infinity gauntlet stones. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We were we were we were in it to collect all of them and then I they, got you, right? You know, so so I'm excited. <clears throat> to go back and i think uh one of our favorite places is out there just 
100%. I love an early morning race and then you finish like, you know, your 5K, your 10K, it's still breakfast time, it's brunch time, it's uh, it's time to go to Sabroso out there in uh, Garden Grove, which is lickety split, like minutes away from uh, the Disneyland Resort and where you're running. And uh, it it has been featured on diners, drive-ins, and dives. Uh-huh. Here. Yeah. But the Chilaquiles is just so delicious. Uh, it is green salsa and, and tortilla chips and, and chicken and eggs. And it's just the perfect, satisfying comfort meal. And I, I mean, their margaritas are not bad. Oh, there you go. <laughs> By even definition. At, even at breakfast, you know, even at brunch. <laughs> you could, I mean, I know mimosas and Bloody Marys are where it's at, but I would say, yeah. And uh, for for post-race beverage, I would I would agree with you. It's probably, you know, like a lighter, lighter beer or like, let's, let's not go super heavy. I, oh, I had the, the most fun when we went to Kentucky and we toured and, and had the Kentucky ale from all tech brewing from all tech brewing. Right. The bourbon barrel, bourbon yeah, barrel, yeah. It's, bourbon barrel ale. it's the base that they use for that beer. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, not distributed. Can, not distributed, and it's two no. percent lower ABV than the Kentucky Bourbon Barrel. Oh, okay, <laughs> it's fantastic on its own. Yeah, and I loved that as you know post race celebration when we went to tour that. Because we did the run the bluegrass, which is uh, advertised as America's uh, prettiest. prettiest. The print the the parentheses is one of its hilliest. <clears throat> but it's very yeah 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 very yeah. hilly. Uh, those it's, two kind of go hand in hand. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the picturesque yeah. scenery kind of sometimes comes with a hilly area. Um, now, you have some other social media presence in addition to your... Well, first of all, how often does Run, Eat, Drink get published, the, the, your podcast? We do a weekly episode, and it usually drops on uh, Tuesday. Usually, depending on, on mm-hmm. you know, sometimes life gets in the way, so it drops yeah. a little later. Oh, yeah, yeah we're, we're a weekly audio show. Mm-hmm. We do have other social media. I mean, we are on Facebook, YouTube, mm-hmm. uh, Twitter, Instagram. Yes. And, you know, we're... We have do your coffee weekly, chats. Yeah, we we do them in the morning as work allows. <laughs> we drop in <laughs> with a little coffee break for... We love coffee. Um, uh, no one would ever know that. that, that no, you, not that if you like, follow our social media, no. you would never know. 12 mm-hmm. to 14 coffee posts per day. Right. You can never have enough coffee. And then we, something that that was actually born out of the pandemic, um, Mm. during the pandemic, of course, races were shutting down, travel was difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, We wanted to find a way that we could kind of stay connected with our community Mm -hmm. and provide uh, an escape for people, something that they could do that's not watch the news, that you know, get out of the doom and gloom mindset, yeah. break up their their week a little bit. So we started uh, doing a midweek uh, beer chat, and yeah. that's usually Wednesday nights. We'll do a live stream on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, and that sometimes Thursdays, yeah, yeah, and again, sometimes it varies, Depends. but typically we shoot for Wednesdays, yeah. 
And you know, that, that really is, is not anything other than us hanging out and chatting with friends, kind of like we're doing here. And Mm -hmm. we'll pick a, usually pick a beer or something to feature and kind of talk about. And then that's the springboard for all sorts of. We've been sent some odd foods that we've tried on those paths. (laughs) We've. um, MREs. Yeah. Oh, I know those. T- I know those well, my friend. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, really. yeah. That's okay. Let's, uh, that's a different that's story. Cool. And uh, we, I mean, I think we've. Uh, there was a very. You can go back to in our YouTube lives and you can search for a Cinco de Mayo chat where <clears throat> you might have talked me into trying a, a very hot hot sauce, scorpion pepper uh, hot sauce that clocked in at about seven hundred thousand Scoville heat. Oh no. Yeah. So there's some that stuff one. that we'll do and people send us things to try and it's just, yeah, it's a good time to hang out with our community because it, it, it was hard when all the races were oh yeah, n- not happening and we wanted to keep each other motivated and stay connected because some of the nicest people you ever meet are, are at races or through running groups or through running podcasts like it's. Yeah, it's this wonderful community. Wonderful community. Yeah. yeah. Guys, great. It's, it's a lot of fun. Hey, before I let you get away, what's coming up? You got any runs that you're headed for or anything coming up big in the podcast you'd like to talk about? Well, we have a couple of uh, Florida local races that we're going we do. to be doing, and yep. we're hoping that your listeners and our listeners can all come and join us and hang out. Yeah. Uh, we are ambassadors for the Donna mm-hmm. marathon weekend mm-hmm. that we talked about. Right. We've talked to that, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we are also ambassadors for the Gasparilla distance classic in Tampa, Florida, which is going to be that same month at the end, at the of, end of February. February right. Same as the princess weekend. I yeah, know. Which is unfortunate because Gasparilla is a terrific event. Yeah. Uh, and we've always wanted to do princess too. So I know we'll have to eventually yeah. you know, alternate something of that nature we will. to so be we, able to get that done. Yeah. You know, we've got those coming up. Um, we, we would love for mm-hmm. anybody who's interested in running to, to, you know, shoot us a message and, and let us know they want to meet up, join we, our team, join our yep. team for either race. It yeah. would be just phenomenal to, to get to meet, um, more runners mm-hmm. out there. And, uh, Beyond that, next year we are looking at going. Oh, hey, we're going back to Jeff's race, of course. Oh, and sure. It changed dates. Yeah, it did. It's March now. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and we're also looking at trying to get you know several races out of state and try to hit some some states in the in the country that we have not been to yet. We're very excited about that. Yeah. Well, outstanding. We wish you luck. We look forward to hearing about them, and. We will continue to be listening. Amy, oh, Dana, thanks so thank much for so taking much. the time to join us. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Now, we recorded that about a month ago. We talked with Dana and Amy. In the interim, Hurricane Ian came through Florida, and it caused a significant amount of damage where Amy and Dana live. They both are fine. They both came through it Okay. They told me they had some significant damage to their home. Dana is a police officer. His cruiser was demolished in the storm. Of course, you can imagine he hasn't had many days off from work in the interim. But I did wanted to highlight the fact that 
the Run, Eat, Drink podcast is back live tonight at the same time as we're recording for the first time since the hurricane. So Dana and Amy, thanks for joining us. So glad that you're okay. So glad that you're back on with your Run, Eat, Drink podcast. And I do, I do still remember when I first met you two at uh, the Galloway Run. And we're all looking forward to seeing you. I know you're trying to make wine and dine. I hope you're able to do it. Okay, friends, let's take a look at what's coming up here next week. Next week, we have Coach Chris Twiggs and Chris Turner, a different Chris Turner than the one who is here for the half marathon episode. This Chris Turner is a pacer for the Jeff Galloway groups. And Coach Chris Twiggs is in charge of the Pacers. So if you've got pacing questions, this will be the episode to listen to. Uh, reminder, our meetup, our formal meetup for Wine and Dine Weekend. And, and by formal, I don't mean you have to wear any kind of tie or anything. I'm just as, as to. As to <laughs> so yeah. I can return the tux, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mine doesn't fit anymore anyway, so. Um, Maybe tuxedo t shirt. I'm still going to wear a princess gown. Okay. (laughs) Just wait. (laughs) (laughs) But to differentiate it from the get together in the after party, our meetup Saturday afternoon, Dockside Margarita, 2 30 in the p.m. We'll be there from at least 2 30 to 3 30, then we'll play it by ear after that. Reminder that our friend Pam of Fluffy Fizzies has a new product out that she wants us to learn about and maybe we'll talk about it next week but in the meantime she's still taking pre-orders you can go to her website fluffyfizzies.com and pre-order with pam for pickup at the expo so you don't pay any shipping charges don't forget you've got a code happy running that will save you 10 percent on your order pam is an affiliate so she does help us with the to defray the cost of this podcast. A reminder, you can see all of our affiliate links on our webpage, riseandrunpodcast.com. John, we haven't done this for a little while. Do we have any new reviews? We got a new review. All righty. I got to be careful how I yes, say I this. Yes, be very, very careful with this handle, John. Okay. <laughs> it's binge-worthy from Puck and Ruck. Okay. <laughs> That's a P, folks. Oh, Not an F. You did it's that. a P. Don't do that, that little kid thing where you stick your fingers in your mouth and try to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I found the rise and run late to the game through the run dopey, but I'm quite enjoyable playing catch up. I, I reserve this podcast for road trip to races and when I'm training and racing. You immediately feel like part of the family, and I always end up missing Disney and counting down the days to my next race weekend. The host and the special guests make you feel like family and you are literally laughing or crying while you pick up some useful tips about Disney running and running in general. Highly recommended. Thank you so much. I am so glad to hear you use the phrase feel like family because that's how I feel. I think that's how we feel in general. So thank you. We appreciate everyone who takes the time to do a review. We're glad that you're with us. All right, thanks, John. So let's see. It must be time for the race report. Let's start with Saturday because it's a very good place to start because that's when people started running. 
On Saturday, the Excelsior Challenge at the Great New York State Marathon Weekend. This was a two-day event, Saturday and Sunday, 10K on Saturday, half on Sunday. Our friends Brian and Karen ran that. There's a theme again. We're so proud of you guys. We got some more PRs. Uh, Brian not only PR'd, but he finished first in his age group, and Brian's in the 30 to 34-year-old age group. That's a tough age group to win, boys and girls. Way to go, Brian. Karen also PR'd. Karen PR'd, and then, and this, I'm jumping to Sunday, she ran around the parking lot to comp complete her dopey training miles. I'm going to add it now so I don't forget it when I get to Sunday. Karen PR'd both events, the 10K and the half. The fall into winter 5K in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Amy uh, ran that one. And Valerie did it virtually in Jacksonville, Florida, the Beer and Brats 5K. I got to look further into that one. That sounds pretty good. Melissa finished it. Free Beer and Brats at the finish. Oh, man. I definitely have to look at that one. Uh, nice uh, finisher photo with your medal there, Melissa. Thank you for sending that along. In a big event that has, and this is also a Saturday and Sunday event, that has been because of COVID been restricted somewhat. The free press competitive one mile and 5k in Detroit, Michigan. It's a two day event. Christy, Victoria, Gary, and Susan all ran it. They ran what's called the wonder challenge, which is the one mile and the 5k on Saturday. And then the much more famous half marathon on Sunday, beautiful day by the pictures. It looked pretty chilly. Uh, Christy ran her mile on Saturday in 8.04. That's pretty darn good. Christy finished seventh out of 44 women in her age group, followed up by a solid 5K, and then she did the kids run. Uh, Victoria was there, said, I thought I saw Christy, but I wasn't sure. Gary and Susan were there too, put some great pictures up on Facebook. And again, we'll mention it on Sunday. Still on Saturday now. The Run Among the Lakes 10K in Windermere, Florida. Kayla did that one. Kayla did her first 10K ever. Congratulations, Kayla. More to come, I'm sure. And, of course, if we're down in that part of the state in central Florida, you can pretty much be sure Margaret's out there running it too. Margaret said that they had a, uh, a burger fried chicken nuggets and breakfast bites, as well as bagels and danishes from Panera. And great coffee from a local coffee shop. So, I mean, that, there you go. What else is there? Uh, she loves doing these kind of tra catered training runs. That's a highly catered training run. Good one, Margaret. The Once Upon a 5K. Tommy did that one. Uh, Tommy was talking about it on customized training this morning, but I didn't see any notes here in Facebook. But I know she did it, and I know she completed it. In Fort Smith, Arkansas, just like if we're in Central Florida, we know Margaret's got to be there. In Fort Smith, we know it's got to be Joe. The Survivor's Challenge 5K for the Reynolds Cancer Support House. Joe finished first in his age group. Way to go, Joe. And finally on Saturday, the NYC runs Falling Leaves Half Marathon and 5K in Brooklyn. Emily signed up for the 5K. Emily, if you sent me a note on that, I missed it. I'm sorry. That's just in general. If I miss one of these friends. I try my best, but there's a whole lot of them. And I may miss one from time to time. 
Okay, let's move to Sunday. Starting again with the Excelsior Challenge, which was a two-dayer that started on Saturday. Brian and Karen both finished. Took it a little easier after pushing pretty hard and getting those PRs on Saturday. In Cocoa Beach, the Cocoa Beach Half Marathon. Big medals. And, and they are. I don't know what it is over there on that side. Cocoa Beach, Space Coast, big medals. They, they, they used to have the Genie Bottle medal for the challenge. They didn't have it this year. They have the Vehicle Assembly Building, that huge building uh, in uh, Cape Canaveral. That was on the Challenge Medal. And the Surfing Astronaut is on the 10K. Pretty cool. If you haven't seen it, look on Facebook for the pictures. Uh, Amy, Amy did the half, ma- I'm to see, did the half marathon. Now, I think she did the 5K earlier. I'm really getting confused now. What I do need to highlight is that she did a 5K and a half and finished second in her age group in the 5K. I know I mentioned Valerie earlier had done the 5K virtually on Saturday, but she did the 10K live, which included three miles on the beach, which is kind of cool. She said it was a little tough because the tide wasn't all the way out and kind of running on an incline there on the sand. But she had to do that 10K live because she really wanted to get that surfing astronaut medal. Let's move to Naperville, Illinois for the Naperville Half Marathon. Our friends Mark and Vicky did that one. Looked pretty cold at the start. 38 degrees, but Mark said they finished in the sun. And he says he ran this one four minutes faster than the half marathon he did last month. In Atlanta, the PNC Atlanta 10-miler, Allie and Joe did that one. Didn't hear from them, or I missed it. I hope I didn't miss it. In Sugarland, Texas, the Sugarland Half Marathon, Kate did that one, her second ever half marathon. Uh, very hot and sunny, finished with time to spare. Did a good job on that one, Kate. Congratulations. In Amelia Island, Florida, we had a bunch of folks running the Zuma Amelia Island Half Marathon. Amongst them were Jack, who's going to talk about it a little bit next week. Jack ran the 5K and the half. And also her video just dropped on Passport to Run if you want to check out before she does the race recap. Okay, that's cool. Um, Our good friend Megan, my good buddy Megan, I've been friends with Megan for uh, quite a while in the Run Disney community. She finished the half with a 10-minute PR, and that's great. I know Megan had been hurt and out of running for a little bit, but that's terrific. And Megan met up with Jack. Or at least she visited, she saw Jack in the first few miles. That's cool. Um, Nicole, Nicole did a nine hour drive to run this half marathon. That's, that's not quite the 14 that coach Twiggs did, but that's a long time too. I love this though. She stayed with the pace group to mile five when it became primarily a trail run. And apparently when she came out of the trail park, some paramedic saw her limping and asked if she needed a ride or assistance. And her response was, not a lie, pass out. So I love the attitude, Nicole. Way to go. Uh, Ellie ran this one, the 5K and the half, was half number 37. Took some great photos and posted those for us. And quote, Twiggs was out there. I think Chris was supposed to be a pacer. When they got there, he was drafted and he became the race announcer. New career for Coach Twiggs. Gotta yeah, love it. Could be. Could be. Northampton, Massachusetts, the Happy Valley Half Marathon. Jen ran that one. 
Allie, you need to get on Jen. I didn't hear from her. Go, she Jen. Yeah. She may have perished, but we will honor <laughs> you with not. this race report. No, I'll check go. in on her. <laughs> good, good. And uh, John, you were asking earlier, the, the second day of the Wonder Challenge, the Free Press International Half Marathon. This is the one that runs across the bridge between the U.S. and Canada. And this is the first time that's happened, I think, in three years. So that's great. Everybody was excited about that. Um, I noticed from the pictures, folks were dressed pretty warmly. So I think it was a pretty chilly event. But a lot of great pictures there. Gary and Susan finished. Uh, they they did meet Christy. I know that. Uh, Victoria finished. She PR'd all three events. That's a good one. That's one of the f- more well-known halves in the country. And I'm so happy to see that it's back to what it used to be. In South Hero, Vermont, the Green Mountain Marathon, our friend Heather, who competes in the wheelchair division, was there again. Uh, rolling Hills, beautiful foliage. I got to ask her, I think that Rolling Hills, that's got to be tough in the push rim division. But Heather will tell us, I'm sure, when we talk to her in a couple of weeks. Uh, she had a she had a combination of some problems on this one. And she meant to do the marathon. She finished a half instead. Now, if you've been paying attention to the race report, Heather's been doing multiple lengthy events for the last three weekends in a row. So I think she needs to cut herself some slack and realize that that's a great finish to be able to continue to do that. Good job, Heather. Uh, The Children's Hospital Half Marathon in Columbus, Ohio. Lindsay ran that one her first time using Run, Walk, Run. She said that worked for her. And Mike did. Mike said he cheated death, but he cheats death every time he does a half marathon. And this is half marathon number 23, so he's cheated death 23 times. So the Children's Hospital uh, Half Marathon in Columbus is definitely on my short list of races that I want to run. A a friend of mine who I used to do marching band with back in high school, uh, she lives out in the Pittsburgh area, and she has told me about this race, how uh, towards the end it can be a very magical yet emotional time because I believe either some of the children are able to come out to uh, cheer or they, you know, or they have signs made, or there's an like an in memoriam section and everything like that. So I, I hear it's a very, very moving race. Uh, so if you're in the Columbus area or you're looking for a unique half marathon, I think this is definitely one uh, to put on your radar for sure. Thanks, Greg. Wrapping up here on Sunday, the Oxford Half Marathon, Oxford, the UK. Liam ran that, and finally, last but certainly not least, the Ghost Train Rail Trail race in Brookline, New Hampshire. Now, I think, and Ali, you were telling me, this is actually a Saturday and Sunday event, right? That's that's right. It's 30 hours. So the 15-miler runs on Sunday, but the entire event starts on Saturday morning. Okay. So you did the 15-miler on Sunday, right? I I did. Yeah. And on Saturday, um, I went to go try to pace some people that were um, running here from the Run Dopey group. So I'm probably going to miss someone, so I'm sorry if I do. But Paula, Idalis, Laura, Tessa, um, oh, wow. Liz and Liz were there. And um, and a lot of them were doing um, trying to do for their first 50K. 
Wow. So on Saturday night, we went down, Heidi and myself, Heidi's my friend from Florida who I run with, um, and we went out to to try to pace them and get some of our own miles in. So we went to try to meet up with them. We didn't end up finding them. <laughs> the, the cell phone service was so bad oh, wow. that it was really hard to to try to meet up with someone. So we didn't end up seeing them that night. We ended up doing seven and a half miles by ourselves. And um, this is one of the most interesting races I've ever done because they have um, set up all of these decorations, like Halloween decorations everywhere. So there's like skeletons doing different stuff, uh, like somewhere like toasting neat. marshmallows around a campfire or like... One of them was playing poker with another one and they were drinking fireball. So there was like a little bottle of fireball next to him that you could take swigs oh. of as you went. <laughs> um, so that it was just really great. And so we finished up our miles then. And the next day we went to go do our, our 17 miler race. So we we're going to do 15 plus a couple more. Um, and we ended up meeting up with Paula and Laura. So we saw them on the trail and we just were like, well, let's just run with you. So they were working on a hundred K and we just decided to meet up with them and, and do the rest of, you know, what we had to do. It was one of the most beautiful trails because it's peak foliage in New Hampshire. Um, and it had awesome volunteers, the cool like decorations and picture stops. Um, and but probably one of the most notable things is it had the best aid stations that I have ever seen at any race yeah they had um i mean just everything from like grilled cheese sandwiches to um like pastries and eggs and bacon and potatoes and like uh blueberry crisps and (laughs) soup and i mean just anything you could possibly want they just had at these aid stations plus you know candy and plus uh, whole food snacks and fruit and fresh fruit and um you know all the tailwind and whatever like they just had everything there um and the volunteers were just super super nice anything you could possibly want they had fires going i think on both ends um so you could sit by the fire if you were freezing you know, throughout the night or whatever, if you just need to sit down for a minute, they just had everything that you could possibly want. And, and everybody was just so super nice and supportive. Um, so my only story that I have from it that I'd like to share real quick is that at the beginning of our second day, the 17 miler, Heidi was asking me like, Hey, do you think you'd ever want to do an ultra? And I just snap answered, Nope, absolutely not. Couldn't do it. Won't do it. <laughs> and, um, you know, when we met up with Laura and Paula who were working on their hundred K, you get to talking with people cause you're, you know, running 10 miles with them. So one of the things that Laura and I both have in common is that we both, um, use the model, which is what was, um, Jill Angie uses the model. And, um, that's from Corinne Crabtree's school of thought. And we started saying things like, okay, so you say you never would want to run an ultra, you say that you could never run an ultra, but the question that you can ask yourself is what else could be true? So if you just got rid of all of your preconceived notions and you say to yourself, what else could be true? It could be true that I could run an ultra. And so Laura and I started talking about how that could be true. And she said, well, you know, you're, you're, running, you're running 17 miles today. We ended up doing 18. Um, and you ran seven and a half yesterday. So that's like it's like 24, 25 miles. You know, what if you ran another five miles? That's an ultra. And I said, I could, I could do that. 
So, um, so I guess I'm running an ultra next year is my, okay. <laughs> the end of my story. Um, so that was really cool. I just really appreciated that, that, and, um, I know that we have, um, Paula and Idalis here to talk to us on the spotlight. So maybe we should go and ask them what they th- thought about the race. Well, great. Paula, Idalis, welcome to the Rise and Run Race Report Spotlight. Hey guys. Hello. Thanks for having us. Always happy to have friends join us. We want to talk about this ultra event that the two of you did, but I'm going to start as I usually do because listeners may remember that Paula and Adalis have been with us before. They're veterans. They were with us on the episode where we talked with the Run Dopey crew, and uh, we're glad to have them back. But the one question I don't think I asked you then was how you got started in running. Paula, how did you get started? Uh, it wasn't until later, kind of in my adult years, uh, when I was growing up as a teenager, I had really badly controlled asthma and really couldn't run. So uh, now that my asthma has kind of gotten under control uh, with good medications, is something I don't even think about, which is amazing, actually. I don't really even care. Oh, that's cool. That's inhaler. good to know. Yeah. yeah, I'm on some good maintenance inhalers, and I don't really think about my asthma, except for you know cold days where it might affect me. Um, but so later in life, looking for something to do uh, for exercise that was new, challenging, different, something I could do with my husband. And we kind of started running and um, just kind of grew from there. Um, you know, first I couldn't go very far, couldn't make it a mile for sure. We'd have to take a lot of walk breaks um, and then kind of just built from there and, and was just curious to see what else could I do. Um went mile to 5k did my first 5k race and then went right to half marathon and just you know just out of curiosity what else can i do what what can i do with myself so just just very interesting (laughs) now you're pretty much running forever well we'll get to we'll get back to we'll get back to that in a minute but dallas how about you how'd you get started well actually bob i have to say that i started running because i wanted to run at disney so yeah there's that. It has not been a long, a uh, long time. I just started like six years ago um, and started with 5Ks. My very first uh, Disney race actually was a 5K and a 10K. And then I was like, actually, it was a marathon weekend. And I was like, uh, I wonder if I could run half. How much is that? 13.1? Oh, <laughs> right, okay. Right. Yeah, I didn't even know what's half marathon. <laughs> How long was it? Um, so, yeah, it was like completely, it was like, I, okay, so I loved to dress up. Obviously, I love Disney. And I was like, okay, I cannot dress up as an adult going to the parks. So, but you can dress up running through Disney. So, I was like, okay, so what I need to do. I need to run. Okay, so let's run. So how <laughs> I started, <laughs> that's how I started running. And then I Wonderful. met all these kind of crazy, I mean, dopies, yeah. and got me like challenging me every day. So I have never, if you have told me when I was at um, high school or college, like, oh, you will be running a marathon or an ultra marathon. I was like, even more, yeah. crazy. I will never do that. Come on. I know. So I know a lot. Yeah. I, I love asking the question and it's interesting. I get similar answers from a lot of people. In fact, that line about a half marathon, how far is that? I think I heard that from Allie at one point. 
Yep. That's exactly what happened to me too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Um, Hey, let's talk about this event. All three of you are involved. Allie's already told us about her. Uh, She did a 15 miler, but Donaldson Paula, you did the ultra. Can you tell us about it? Tell us what it was and and how it worked and what you did. Uh, So it's a It's called uh, the ghost train ultra marathon. It's in New Hampshire. Very small race, uh, very kind of homegrown, small race, a um, lot of great volunteers, and it's a 30-hour ultra. It starts on Saturday morning at 9, and you can run as much as you want until Sunday at 3 o'clock. So the cool thing about it is there's really not a risk of a DNF. You don't, There's not the pressure mm-hmm. of if you, say, are going to run 50 miles and you something goes you know, off the wheels or off the rails, I should say, and you don't make that. It's it's okay, you know. You you don't have to. It's not like you're failing or you're not making your goal or you did not finish. If you're feeling feeling it and you're feeling really good, you can continue to go as much as you want. Um, you can, a lot of people are doing hundred miles that weekend and um, kind of do as much as you want. The go it's a seven and a half mile out in back, so it's a okay. fifteen mile loop. So you do circuits of 15 miles. Um, so your official time goes in chunks of 15. And then if you want to do anything additional. So I did a 100K. Yeah, so that's a, neat. Yeah, uh, that's the farthest I ran. I, I was actually did the race there last year. It was amazing, except for it did, it did rain pretty heavily through the night. But I did my first 50 miles um, there. And so that was an unofficial because it had 45. If you do the math, it comes out to 45 miles. And I had to do the five miles on my own to get the 50. So this year I did 60 miles and then I did an additional two to make the hundred K. Wow. Very cool. Dallas, did you, did you also do a hundred K? No, I didn't. I did the 50 K. Um, I mean, the official time was at 30 miles because it was a 15 uh, miles loop and I did two. And then I added um, the reminding mileage to complete the 50 K. Um, that's fantastic. I, my original goal was actually going for a 50 miles. Uh, but <laughs> I had a couple of, you know, hurdles on the way. I got sick actually before getting to New Hampshire. I was on an, an antibiotics, uh, uh-huh. actually on race day. Uh, I was lingering at, um, uh, an injury. So I was yeah. like, I went over there. I was like, because what uh, Paula was saying, it wasn't a, there wasn't a risk of not DNF, you know, like right. it was like, okay, I will just go in over there and do what it can. Um, it was absolutely wonderful. Like I enjoyed the race. It's amazing. I'm already planning on going back next year. So, Yay! so we'll see. Uh-huh. And how like Paula said, like what else can I do? I can I can go more. I can go the distance. So, yeah. I I had to smile at Dallas. When in true run Disney tradition, what I expected you to say was, "No, I did just the 50k." <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know yeah. how we do that. I, yeah, that. I only did 50 kilometers. <laughs> I know. Okay, well, hey, that's wonderful. Congratulations to both of Listen. you. I have to give her huge props. Okay. She's never run a trail. So I run trails all yeah. the time. She's never run a trail race and she comes up here 
and busts out a 50k on our first trail race. That's now amazing. You were, you were telling me I looked this up and it's a uh, it's a it's part of it's a rail trail, but part of it's an actual dirt and tree roots type trail, right? Oh, it's all dirt. Oh, it's so, all none of it's uh, none of it's asphalt rail oh, trail. Oh, not at all. It's a beautiful trail, beautiful okay. trail in the woods. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm used to the rail trail system here, which is actually uh, asphalt. So, Paula, you did this last year. Um, so this is your second ultra, is that right? Yes. So I've done uh, many virtual ultras. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alice and I both together during the pandemic, we went kind of crazy, but we did a lot of challenging each other and we did some ultras virtually, including we did our virtual dopey as an ultra. So we did that. Um, so this was, yeah, last year was my first official race as an ultra. I did 50 miles last year and this was my second uh, year and I wanted to do, my goal was hundred K and I got it. So Cool. Okay, cool. So then, Idalis, was this your first official ultra? My first official ultra, like, life race, because actually when I completely forgot when my government gave me a badge for the 50K and actually said, like, you have earned this badge three times. And I was like, do I really? Yeah, I oh, saw yeah, that. That's right. But this one yeah. was the first time that I actually did it on a life race. So right. that was kind of... I, I did the... Paula and I did the Ultra Dolby, and we did the like, yes, 5K, yes. the 10K, the half, and then the, the day of the full, we actually did an Ultra. We did the fi- uh, 50K that day, and wow. we ended up with 53.5 miles, is that right? Um, so, yeah, and, and all on the treadmill. That's on the treadmill. That's incredible. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> that's, that's torture. That's, I mean, oh, that's pretty, not really, because we chatted the whole time and we like uh, were listening to music and, and um, we were video chatting and we were singing and laughing and getting crazy together. And it was like awesome. We put okay, costumes, so you- we did costumes for every race. We kind on of like dressed up. Yeah. My, my on the treadmill, was you did costumes yeah. on the treadmill? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we did. That's dedication. That's really cool. Okay, so you've done now ultras on the treadmill. You've done an ultra in person. This race is very special, um, and I'd like you to tell our listeners why it's so special and what your favorite parts of it were. I mean, I know just from chatting with you, you've got a lot that happened throughout the race. So go ahead. Yes, so very special. First, um. I'm not used to see the fall. Like, uh, I'm like, fall? What is that? I have no idea what autumn is because obviously I live in Puerto Rico. So we don't have stations here. We don't have, uh, we, we live in eternal summer. So that like, change, the leaves changing, the trail system, um, running in, in that cool weather, It's it was completely different that I'm uh, used to. So it was pretty special because of that. Um, And obviously I get to share with some of my dearest friends. So I, that was the best part. Uh, The support crew, it was amazing. Not just the ones that we uh, were signed up for the actual race. We had a support crew uh, that pays us and some of the, the loops. Um, and it was absolutely amazing. Like it's a experience that it's very 
heartwarming and I will forever cherish it. So, yes, I have to give a shout out to our support crew. They actually won best support crew campsite. Um, so my husband, Rich, was unbelievably supportive to all of us. Um, set up, broke down camp for us because we actually camped there. We were there Saturday and Sunday. We had a campsite, um, everything we needed. And then we had um, our friends from Run Dopey. Liz Miner came out, paced us. Liz Ko, who lives here locally, is also in Run Dopey. Uh, Laura was actually running with us. She's an admin from Run Dopey. Laura Gary and Tessa Paul also, so an admin from Run Dopey, some of our very good friends that we are close with. Um, so Laura, Tessa, Idalis, and I ran the Ultra, and then the other ladies came out and ran some loops with us to support us, and it was great. Um, good energy kind of kept us going. Um, the the entire race, the volunteers are, I can't even explain how wonderful they are, truly supportive and a lot of love and care. The um, There's three different aid stations at that race, both ends, and then there's one in the middle. And the amount of food that they have, um, hot broths, soups, stews, everything. They have a gluten-free table, mm -hmm. an allergy table, hot grilled cheese, <laughs> I mean, hot chocolate, coffee, mm -hmm. you name it, pick a food, they have it. Um, they actually, I heard a story about somebody going to get applesauce at their own house for somebody who was having it on the stomach for one of the runners. Um, they were energetic, uh, cheering you on, whatever you needed. They had bike support on the trail. They had a Theragun at one of the stations. Like they yeah, had everything. They had a stick. I mean, it's, I, I can't, you're never going to find a race like that. It's really homegrown, very caring. And you can tell there's a lot of love that go into it. And the other cool thing about this race is it's around Halloween time. So like Idella said, fall, beautiful colors, foliage. We were blessed with great weather this year. Sunny, crisp, cool, cooler at night, a little chilly. But um, they decorate this trail like so cool. It's Halloween themed. There are skeletons that light up. There is spiders and spider webs. There's a tunnel with lights in it. Um, I can't even tell you the cool stuff. It's just, oh, Pumpkin Alley. Let's not forget that. There's yeah. carved, like, I can't even count. How do you think carved pumpkins are, guys? Hundreds of carved pumpkins wow. with real candles in them. There's a whole alley where you're walking down the trail, and the trail is lined with carved pumpkins. And um, it's really special. It's, it's a very neat race. It yeah. does. It sounds like a great event. Well, I'm, I'm glad you had fun, had nice weather. And, yeah, the foliage in that part of the country is really wonderful it is a dallas i'm with you it's something i missed down here although i've seen it before in my lifetime but yeah it's it's very pretty now the downside of it is when it's all done they get winter and we still get to be yeah warm. <laughs> so it works out uh, guys what's coming up for you uh, before i ask that question john's got something so uh i saw you guys running costumes can you describe your little uh oh, costumes yes. We love costumes, okay? It just makes it more fun for us. Um, so we were planning to do four loops, so we planned four different costumes. So on this trail, they have a tree. Part of the bark on this tree is missing. It looks like a door. Somebody put um, made a Keebler elf wooden sign and put it above this tree. Um, so it looks like the Keebler elf house. And people have put painted rocks that look like cookies there. So there's this 
it's easy to miss. It's one tree on the trail. Um, it's a Keebler elf house. So we decided to dress like the Keebler elves, of course. And so we put that costume together for round one. We're dressed like the Keebler elves. And we also carried Keebler cookies and we're giving out Keebler cookies to the runners. Um, that was a big hit. Then we decided to do round two was Disney villains. And then um, the third one, we had skeleton costumes that Tessa from our group hand painted on black uh, leggings and black shirts. So she actually got reflective paint and hand painted skeletons. And that was a big hit as well. And our fourth one was uh, like woodland fairies with lights. Well, I've got to figure anybody that wears costumes for a treadmill event is going to go all out for a live event. It sounds like you did. That's really neat. Hey, great event. What's next for you two? Paula, what do you have coming up next? And we also are always asking, are you coming to Disney anytime soon? Uh, yeah, I'm coming to Disney in two weeks. I'll be down there for one <laughs> That's pretty dine. soon. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, doing all the races as usual. So good. I'll be down there for all the race weekends coming up. Um, so I'm very excited. I can't wait. I'll get to see all my friends in two weeks. Um, what else? Anything local? I'm doing the local race. I think this weekend I'm doing uh, Millennium Running. Um, that's my local. Uh, Ellie, are you going to be there? I don't know. I didn't know, but I was waiting for you to tell me about it. There's a Halloween <laughs> race. I'll be, I do a lot of the local races here, uh, Millennium Running, and then Disney's obviously my big one. But I don't think I have any other uh, big races. I'd love to get into Boston. God. But that's another Dallas, day. what's coming up for you? Uh, 14 days, one and dine. Can no oh, way. Yes. So now it's like running season is on on Disney. So it's going to be I'm so excited because I will be able to see my friends like um now one and dine is just 14 days away. Then it's 70 something days for one marathon weekend to go Toby. Yep. Um, and then Princess Springtime Surprise is like I cannot wait. It's so you gotta you got a full slate also, huh? Yes. Yes, well, we do. Um, and I mean, I, I don't have local races here. I only have uh, one event a year, which is in September. Oh. And you already did it. And it was amazing. Um, and the other that I have, uh, virtuals, actually, I participate on the, um, the company that Paula was uh, mentioning, Millennium Running from New Hampshire. Um, I do a couple of those races um, virtually. So I think the next one, it's the half. Is it, Paula? New England half, yeah. New England half. This weekend, yeah. We have this one, um, this weekend coming up is Trick or Trot and then New England half. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Manchester So I'm signing up virtually to do that. Um, usually, Paula, go over there and run it um, in person. And I do it back in or a park or for my treadmill and we do it together <laughs> wonderful yeah that's that's really a neat story paula adalis thank you so much for joining us i'm glad you had a great time and you know we're all looking forward to seeing you in just a couple of weeks we're we're excited it's like a big family reunion isn't it? we cannot yeah, wait we can't wait yeah thank you for having us and so with the, our race report spotlight episode 54 and one year of rise and run podcasts and I know it seems like this episode may have been a year long. It <laughs> come to an end. My friends, and if you run, you know you are our friend. It's such a pleasure visiting with you every week. 
and we're not long from being able to visit with you in person. But until we see you then, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer.